am here with Noah Butterfield. How are you today? Dad? I am great. How are you? I am good. How do you like the chairs? I love this chair. I honestly could have a little snooze right now. <laughs> this feels so nice. I know you can like wrap your legs up. No, it's so hard to like sit like professionally. I know. It means you to start <laughs> slouching and everything. Totally. I like even when I had Matthew on here last. Like you Does he fit in the chair though? Well, that's why I called him. <laughs> like yeah, like when I was looking for chairs, I was talking what? with him because he actually helped. Uh, help me pick these up oh nice and uh i was like okay i gotta find something that i know someone like matthew can fit in because yeah. i'm gonna try to have like all sorts of people on here right totally. so so yeah but you start off like this and as it goes on you start <laughs> sink into it like quicksand <laughs> yeah so you and your friend Kirk, have your own podcast we do yeah and you were just mentioning you're on episode nine now yeah episode nine we started it kind of on uh, not a whim, but we've been planning it. And one day we were just like, fuck it. Like, let's just do it. And so she actually invested in our one microphone, like I mentioned to you. And yeah, we just went uh, and just started recording. And we obviously lost some audio simply because we're new and we have, mm, yeah. I have no idea about technology. She's definitely the tech savvy one. But um, yeah, we both wanted to just bring more value. Like you said with your podcast, like Instagram is such a game and social media is such a game as a whole. And I just wanted to be able to bring content that wasn't focused on like the algorithm or like the fast moving videos that everybody wants to see because their attention span is short so they need something quick and speedy and i was like i want to be able to just talk <laughs> yeah yeah how how long on average are your episodes uh i'd say they range from like 30 minutes to an hour depending on how much we chat and like the topics we're talking about um i think our one that we came out with today was probably around like 40 ish minutes yeah okay yeah. Yeah, so you're probably not the quick ones then. Totally, yeah. We, I guess depends how you look at it. That could be long to some, but. Yeah, definitely. I love, like, when I listen to podcasts, I always, like, pause it and then come back to it. Yeah. I usually listen to, like, 30-minute increments just because that's kind of how my day works. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I really like when they're long because I find the more somebody gets comfortable, the more, like, value they bring. So kind of towards the end is when you notice, like, the really good shit is. Exactly, yeah. I can sense that in people, like, because we were just saying, like, this is, yeah, this is episode 22 now. Yeah. And uh, not 22 isn't all guests. I don't, episode nine or 10 was when I started bringing on guests. Okay, sweet. And and so, like, yeah, you kind of experience everybody's a little shaky in the beginning. Yeah. Thing, and then you just, you can watch them kind of, like, start to lift up. <laughs> totally. Start to really converse. And, yeah. And it can go on. Like, I'm probably averaging hour and a half to two hours. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I saw. I've listened to a couple of your own. Yeah. They're good. <laughs> yeah, like Sydney and I did one. When was that? Two weeks ago? I think so, yeah. And that was three hours <laughs> after pulling a bunch of stuff. No. Yeah. Holy shit. That's awesome, though. Well, then when you get into it, you're like, you kind of finish up and you look and you're like, okay, that felt like, I don't know, an hour. Yeah. And then you look, it was like two and a half, three hours. Really? Like, like, holy crap. Yeah. That's cool, though. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, like, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Now, do you guys do video as well or just the audio? Just audio for now. Yeah. Hoping to do video, invest in like a camera like yours at some point. But like you mentioned, like they're so pricey. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. But honestly, like we, we want to so bad. It's just we're both slowly building our own businesses. So it's hard to invest in this right now when we're both trying to reinvest into our own businesses. And this is kind of like our third baby per se. And yeah. we're trying to like bring our dual resources together so slowly but surely and i'm just aware that it's a process so yeah all yeah. in due time right totally like i go i like the video 
Yeah. Because in my mind, I rarely watch the video. Yeah. Right. But there are some times where one, like, let's say, you know, not in my case, because I'm not like, you know, Joe Rogan, have a producer who brings up yeah. on the screen yet anyways. Um, but like matching the face to the void. Totally. I think that's so important, too, because people don't really like relate to somebody's voice. They relate to like their they want to see like their gestures, the way they handle themselves, the way they carry themselves, because then that's when people relate. They're like, oh, I look like Curtis. I'm also around the same age. Cool. Well, mm. maybe I'll take his advice then or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's super important. So, yeah. Well, like psychology, I, I just watched it like yesterday where don't call me on the percentage, but there's like a ridiculous, ridiculously high percentage of how human beings communicate is actually like body language. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's right. crazy. You can feel when somebody's uncomfortable without them saying anything. Exactly. Yeah, you're like, why are you bored <laughs> right now? <laughs> they're talking like, because, you know, we were talking about like the social media being a game. And oh, yeah. And trying to like engage the audience. They were like, if you look at like the professionals, they're always you know, waving their arms everywhere and stuff. Yeah. And so like, I didn't even think about it. I just, I swear this was like subconscious. I just finished off my hormone series for YouTube. Oh, okay. And like the whole video, I was like, look like it has juggling or something like that. Cause it's just, you're like in your head, you're like, okay, well I want to increase this engagement. Yeah. And so like, okay. And it, that makes sense to me. Cause yeah. yeah. If someone's just standing there like all monotone. Oh yeah. Right? People are going to fall asleep. It's like when you're in school and you're watching the teacher right on the whiteboard and you're like, whoa, I'm getting tired now. <laughs> right. And like, understandably like with a podcast yeah there's not a lot of like movement going on or yeah. whatever but that's where like i mentioned to you previously where the video with city had cut out it was that's okay yeah that's okay because we have 40 minutes worth which is more than enough time for somebody to match a voice to a face for sure and like what you mentioned where people are always scroll 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 they want the mm -hmm. fast things like being able to take that 40 minutes, you can cut that into probably 200 videos of like short, meaningful clips. And yeah. people will be like, damn, I took a lot from that like 20 second video of Sydney talking about her journey with fitness. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's exactly it. Like 10 two hour podcasts and you have content for the whole year. Yeah. You really knew it, like wanted to make that work. Oh, definitely. You just like regurgitated every like three months too because people forget. Yeah. Yeah. So with your first episode, were you pretty nervous? I was super nervous. I, I don't get nervous talking. I can talk forever for sure. But it was nerve wracking uh, being vulnerable, I would say, like okay. in that aspect, because I would say getting into the fitness industry, I think most people have this conception that you need to be like professional, button up. You need to have like um, uh, 4,000 certifications, like degrees on degrees because you're working with people. And so I felt like that was almost like me being unprofessional when I started sharing like the more personal side of myself. Um, and people honestly love it. And so it was just nerve nerve wracking in that sense because I'm like, I'm being vulnerable. <laughs> well, Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're good thing you're with you an audio right now. Yeah, I know totally. They <laughs> don't know who I am. Here's how you look at it from like a psychological standpoint too. People love to gossip. Oh, they love to gossip and they love to eavesdrop. Yeah. So like a podcast is not only is it an opportunity for someone to gossip, but it is eavesdropping. Like you're yeah. sitting in on something, they're the fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people enjoy that. And that's where like 
when you make your when you guys make your content, are you focused around education or is it just expression or kind of like what is the avenue that you're going for with your podcast? We actually do a little bit of everything. Yeah. So like she does marketing and I do obviously like fitness coaching. And so we kind of came together and we both have like our own humor that we really wanted to bring into the podcast. But we also wanted to speak from like personal experience and we wanted to speak from like how we both got into our own fitness journeys because we both had like quite a bit of weight loss in our separate journeys. Um, and we also just wanted to bring like that expression of like, yeah, it's okay to be yourself because not everybody is perfect. Mm -hmm. And like we mentioned, social media is perfection. It is highlight reels. And I just can't fuck with that. Like, I hate that about it. Obviously, it's a business. And I feel like you play into the game to a certain extent with like, for myself, it would be like my short reels and like constantly spitting out the same content over weeks and weeks. It just spun in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard for me sometimes morally. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to like say something. And I, and I don't like I'm like, I'm not going to do that if it doesn't feel right. You know, I'd rather just speak from personal experience and not be like one of those crazy entrepreneurs that's like look at my ferrari i rented yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally so i thought about that a lot because like i've gotten really good at editing so i thought yeah. like putting funny things in that would be so funny it's just a ferrari right here well because the thing is is like they even say wearing a doctor's coat or a stethoscope will automatically, I don't recall the percentage, but increase yeah. engagement. Yeah. Like automatic. They already believe what you're going to say. I had, do you know Sohi Fit by chance? She's on social media. Is that like Ben Carpenter's? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. she actually did a video on that too. And she was wearing a lab coat and she said the exact same thing. She was like, did you know that wearing a lab coat increases like uh, the percentage of, well, I don't even remember either. Yeah. But I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, I was like Googling costume shops and everything because I was going to try it. And then I was like, oh, I just kind of don't want to stoop down to that. Yeah. You know? And because also too, like, I'm sure, because you got a much, much bigger following than I do. And I'm sure you obviously, like, there's got to be some points where you catch backlash or something like yeah. that. And that could be really hard to deal with. Like, right oh, yeah. before you showed up, I made a YouTube short okay. on how candida, an overgrowth of bacteria yeah. within the gut, can alter brain chemistry to make you crave sugar. Mm -hmm. Where binge eating comes from. And like one guy come on and it was pretty much like that's only for 16 years, years old and younger. That doesn't happen to adults or something. <laughs> and then another guy was like, it's just fungus and yeast. Like, can you elaborate? And it's like, where I struggle is when I see a comment like that, instead of me thinking of like, okay, here's how I'm going to answer this, mm -hmm. I started thinking, why did this individual say this? Yeah, definitely. Like, where is their knowledge base coming from that they feel like this only applies to 16 years old or younger? And how am I going to approach this to keep it at a very neutral ground? Because I'm not here to argue. I know well, yeah. what I'm capable of and I know what works and what doesn't for myself in, in the content that I posted. Because I would not be talking about that if I had never experienced that yeah. in my own and within clients and help changing that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like, I just don't know how to reply and I don't want to reply, but you have to. Yeah. Like and you have to reply. It's almost kind of like your ego kind of takes over a little bit in that sense. You're like, like for myself personally, I'm not obviously pushing this on you, but it's like for my own personal experience, like when somebody comes back at me, not with like a contradicting argument, but almost like a little bit of like a jab where they're like, well, how do you know? Mm -hmm. It's like <laughs> your ego's like, fuck you. <laughs> I do know because of X, Y, and Z. Um, but I always the way I handle that is always from personal experience. 
because you can't speak to their experience. So like, for example, he might have had a daughter that experienced it at that age. And so you're like, okay, well, that's kind of where your experience stems from. You can't really take that away from them. And so they're sharing what they believe is true because that is their truth. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that your truth is any different. Different experiences, different life, different parenting, different upbringing. So I always say for myself personally, this is what I believe to be true. This is what I've experienced with my practice, with my training, with whatever it is. Um, and then I always just speak from that. And I said, uh, and then you always want, it's funny because like, psychologically people love to be validated which is why they speak out and so they want their opinion to be heard which is why like controversial topics like pineapple on pizza is so funny because people fucking riled up and so they want to be validated in their opinion so you're like yeah i totally hear where you're coming from but this is my experience and usually they handle it pretty well like i've never had somebody be like no (laughs) it's like then at that point, I'm like, in block, like, I yeah. don't have time for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you nailed it on the head with the ego part. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing that comes into my mind, and so, like, in this example where he was yeah. like, oh, blah, blah, I was just like, well, do you even know what a GI map is? I'm like, do you even know what candy the apple cans are? Do you even know what biofilms? And, like, yeah. but the thing is, you kind of just look like a douchebag. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Come back. It's like <laughs> when there was all that controversy around recent events to do with, you know, jabs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, like, people promoting and people saying don't and everything. My instinct was to instantly be like, well, do you even know what TH1 is? You know what TH2 is? You know what kinases are? Do you know what prothaglandolin E2 is? Like, yeah. and you just want to throw out these big words. Yeah. And, but that doesn't mean that you know either. And it took me a while like to realize that, okay, just because I'm saying like challenging these individuals to explain something to me doesn't mean that they're not educated in the subject. Yeah. Right. But it does go back to that. And it's just like, I know this guy has no idea to what degree Candida actually is. Yeah. Like you want to know a crazy fact yeah. about Candida just because we're on the top. Yeah. Totally. Like, emphasize like where I'm coming from, yeah. like the ego part. Yeah. A lot of the times when people with cancer die after chemo they they blame it on the cancer it was actually chemo exacerbating candida which led to their death Holy which shit. which indirectly could have, or so directly could have exacerbated the cancer as well but like remember when we talked like symptoms versus root cause yeah the root cause could have been the candida wow and there's actually a lot of research showing that now and so that's just kind of like saying the emphasis for so that what I'm meaning by ego is it's almost like the passion comes in. It's like, who are you to say that? Like people are yeah. dying from candida and you're trying to say this only happens to 16 years old and younger. Totally. Like that's where ego comes in. Yeah. And you're like, how can somebody be so ignorant? But yeah. then you're also like, okay, I always try to give people grace because I also think like most people in their mind, they're doing their best. And so I'm like, you obviously have not had the experiences that I've had or the learning that I've had for you to say such an ignorant comment. And so I'm like, okay, obviously you haven't had like the time to even invest in your knowledge. Maybe you are a janitor at a high school. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, I am empathetic. I can't speak right now. (laughs) Sympathize with this person. I think it's what I'm trying to say. I'm having a stroke right now. <laughs> um, but anyways, like you feel for that person because of their experience. And I'm like, okay, like whatever. But then it's also frustrating, like kind of what you were just saying, because then people like that push their beliefs on other people. So then let's say this guy goes and tells somebody else and you're like, no, that's that's not true. So somebody like you who's spitting out pure, real content continuously, like, I'm sure you're making a lot of 
like life changes and it's hard because you see that return and you see the people engaging with your stuff and really loving it, myself included. And then you have people like that who are just saying stuff just to say stuff because they want to feel superior. They want to feel validated. Like I always think, oh, they probably didn't have their like any thoughts listened to when they were a kid. Their mom was probably like, shut up and stay over there. Yeah. So now they're in their DMs or people's comments being a Karen. And I'm like, yeah. don't be a Karen. Well, that's exactly it. You never, like we say this, as corny and cliche as it is, you never know what somebody's going through, what somebody's yeah. been through. And another part too where I kind of like swallow my pride mm -hmm. is I, I don't have a big following. So who am I? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who am I and what I still have yet to prove myself. Like, yeah. I got this knowledge and I've helped lots of individuals mm -hmm. with some very extreme cases, but like, who am I still? Yeah. And so that's where it's kind of like, that's where the ego gets subsided. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, like I just, I think on YouTube, I only have 53 subscribers. Yeah. But you know? honestly, like, I always think people who spit out the purest content, like in that regard, where they're just like, because you are one of the only people on social media that I'm like, yeah, this guy's actually no bullshit. And I know that for a fact. And so I always re-engage with your content because I'm like, this is actually unreal. But I feel like the more you continuously are authentic, people are going to see that and they're going to gravitate towards that. It's honestly like a waiting game. And so people always like see my following it. I started my Instagram in 2016 mm -hmm. as like somebody who was just going through their fitness journey. And I just spoke from experience. Um, I learned a lot about social media just from doing it myself for such a long period of time. And like I posted consistently up until this point. Yeah. It's draining, but you see that slow growth from 2016, 2017 up until now, we're 2023, yeah. where now I actually kind of kind of know what I'm doing ish. Yeah. I don't like to say it with full confidence because there needs to be room for mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and I've just always been like, yep, this is my journey. This is what I'm doing. I'm having a good time doing it. Oh, now I got my certifications and that's people saw that slow growth. They're like, oh, now she has like not only her journey under her belt, but the, like certifications and oh, now she's actually starting to help people. And so it's it's crazy because like you said, people love the to be nosy. They love to gossip. And so like the topics you're like talking about are like controversial, which is good. Because people will engage with that. Yeah. And so the haters are still bringing up your engagement, yeah. whether it's fun to comment back or not. Yeah. What do they say? Uh, bad publicity is still publicity or however they say it. Yeah. Well, and that's true. Like when you bring up the controversial aspect, another reason too is I had this conversation. Uh, Jordan and I were talking about this actually. Oh, nice. And uh, I said the thing, like when you look at things like, so I just, right before you showed up, I did a uh, carousel on ADHD. Yeah. Kind of just elaborating off of my reel. Yeah. And like, you know, some tips to help improve ADHD symptoms and whatnot. And yeah. the thing is, is like people get really offended when you bring that up. Yeah. Right. Because it's it's a diagnosis to label someone's personality. And so then that's their identity. Yeah. And so you have individuals where if let's say they have depression and you help them relieve that depression, mm -hmm. they kind of don't know what to do with themselves anymore. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that was their identity. Totally. Yeah. And now they're like depression free and it's like, okay, well, cause you look back at that validation. So having depression was a way to receive validation. Yeah. Right. Well, and, exactly. And so and now that that's hurt. gone, yeah. And yeah. hurt. And now that that's gone, like what is this individual going to do to get that validation yeah. to have someone pat them on the back or whatever? Cause it's like when you talk about 
you know, suicide or something like that. Oh yeah. It's always the quiet ones because they're not searching for that validation. It's just next thing you know, all of a sudden one day something happens. Yeah, definitely. Right. And so I find like when you make topics about like depression or ADHD or something like that, that really like sets people off. But the hard part is, is you take it to heart. It's like, look, I'm just trying to help. Yeah. Like it's like I made a long time ago, a couple years ago, I made a post on for vegans. Yeah. Literally just saying, here's the nutrients that you may be deficient in. Here's what you can do. And I got so attacked for it. One of them was like, pretty much, I don't remember the exact words, but I only had like 500 followers. So he implied the fact that I only had 500 followers, but I know nothing, that I'm an idiot. Right? (laughs) You're like, since when does that mean I'm educated? I know, right? And thankfully at the time, like my girlfriend at the time went on there and commented something like that. Like that that means nothing or whatever, right? Because it doesn't mean jack shit, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, but like, I was like, I'm just trying to help. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to help. But people get so offended so fast because they feel like they're being attacked because once again, that's their identity. So you're going after their identity, but no way, shape or form. (laughs) <laughs> the things are just rallying off my head yeah. now. It's like that workout performance one I made. Yeah. I made like, don't work out fasted, have a protein shake, an apple or peanut butter. Like, I'm just trying to keep it super simple for the viewers. Yeah. And some guy come on and went off and tried to like do some preschool education on ATP and carbohydrates saying that you, you need to eat carbohydrates before a workout. And so I comment and I'm like, where did I say not to eat carbohydrates before a workout? You said eat an apple. <laughs> yeah, like, so should I have said eat carbs instead of apple? Yeah. But this is what you're dealing with with social media. And I think that's what makes it so difficult to create content, which brings us back to this is why podcasts are great. Yeah. Because you can just talk and let it flow and you don't have that worrisome. Yeah. Of like, okay, like is this, because for me, I'm not sure where your stance is on this with you and your friend, yeah. but I'm not doing this for revenue. Yeah. The podcast is actually for enjoyment. Yeah. That was literally it. Like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, yeah. that is the goal to increase engagement, exposure, and bring in money. Totally. Yeah. The podcast, I just want to get to know people and I just want to have a conversation and hang out with people. Yeah. Right. And so then having that outlet, you just there's less pressure involved. Totally. So things kind of flow. And like putting a microphone and camera in front of people, you think they would be more shy and they open right up. Oh yeah, totally. Well, especially when you ask uh, questions that are like trigger pointed. So like, for example, like uh, depression and things like that, like you said, it's their identity. So if somebody is sitting here and I'm sure you do a little bit of research on your guests too, where you kind of know what their, Mm. I guess, story is. And so when you bring up a topic like that, it almost engages that, uh, guest because they're like, oh, my ears perked up yeah. because I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's hard when people kind of, I guess, like get into their pain so much that they don't have anything else. And pain obviously being emotional or physical. And you've probably seen this physically too, where people are their pain. Mm-hmm. And so when you try to help somebody and you try to help them, kind of alleviate that pain or do things that will help them not be in that state anymore. Um, Sometimes there's a lot of resistance because people are like, well, what am I going to do after that? Mm -hmm. And so my dad is a great example of that. And so it was hard for me to see that from afar because I'm like, same thing. Let me help you. And they're like, "Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Piss off. Literally. And I'm like, no, what do you mean piss off? I just, I'm doing this because I care and because I love you if it's like, a family member, but even for social media, I told uh, like the girl who I do the podcast with, Addie, she 
and I were discussing marketing for my social media. And so she helps me a lot with like uh, what to post on certain days, how to get like playing the game essentially. Mm -hmm. And so she helps me a lot with that. And I told her one day, I was like, I'm not fucking playing this game if I have to not be myself. Mm -hmm. And she was like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying do reels on certain days, do carousels on certain days, do a still post on certain days. You get more engagement on some days than other days. And I was like, the only thing I wanted to do with my social media, same as you with the podcast, is get on there and speak about real shit. Because when I go on social media, I know for a fact I feel like ass when I look at every other fitness bitch out there. Like comparing? Yeah, in yeah. comparison, especially because now, obviously, with bodybuilding and taking that route in my fitness journey, you're always comparing physiques. And so... In my eyes, I always have to take a step back and be like, okay, I need a break. This is just work. I always have to remember that. But you can get caught up, obviously, in the scrolling and things like that and try to be very aware of that. But when you go on there and you do this for a business and you're so business focused now for me, like I would say it's hard to not compare like, oh, my God, I'm not bringing enough value or I don't look the part or I don't feel the part because I'm not lean enough and I don't have fucking glutes like the girls who are stepping on stage for like Olympia and I'm like, okay, well, what ground do I have to stand on now? It's like, well, they obviously like they post a post and they get 5,000 comments and they get all these likes. And I'm like, it's hard to not compare yourself, but then I'm also like, okay, be patient. It's like, it's a time thing, but yeah, it's difficult for sure. Well, on that, like I, that was what I actually kind of put in today's post for the ADHD yeah. was just like the worst thing you can do in the morning is go on social media. Oh my God. Yeah. And now you've just programmed, you feel inferior to others. Yeah. Like just never mind the dopamine aspect, but it's like, it is quite difficult. And like, that's why, like, so I did that for a while too, like comparing the physique. So I unhauled yeah. all bodybuilding. Yeah. Right. And cause like, I was like in a very, uh, negative mentality for many, many years, yeah. most of my life because of the health issues that I was dealing with. Yeah. Um, and like, I won't get into them. I'll save that for your podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, it, so like you, yeah, you go in there and it's like, okay, why do I not look like this individual or. You know, but then you got to ask yourself, like, why am I even comparing? Like, we have completely yeah. different lives. Our stories are completely different, yeah. you know? And then you can get on the conversation of, like, genetics even and performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah. It's important to remind yourself that, you know, although it's easier said than done to not compare yourself, is like everybody has a different story. Definitely. And, and it's funny that you say that because I showed one of my clients, I showed her, uh, what a like a natural athlete looks like versus like a non-natural athlete like in regards to the stage and I said this is what like I looked like on stage um, given different circumstances things like that there's always going to be a little bit of like wiggle room in that regard like genetics things like that but I said this is what somebody looks like when they do gear and she was like what the fuck <laughs> she goes I've literally looked at this person for the last three years hoping that I would look like that yeah. and I had no idea and I said yeah and there's people like on TikTok who are 14, 15, 16, 17 at their most like vulnerable age where they're unbelievably insecure about themselves already. And they see these people out there showing what they look like, which is fake. And they got their boobs done. They got their nose done. They got Botox and things like that. And it's always like for like, I can't speak for men, unfortunately, but like for women, especially like in that regard, there's always so much to keep up with. And so I feel like there's so much pressure on 
that younger generation to look a certain way because I remember looking back at photos of me when I was that age, I looked like a boy. I was a tomboy. Like I had my hair in a ponytail. I had boy shorts on and I was just like a kid, like just going through life. And I see girls that age now and I'm like, what? You have a tattoo? I got, I would have gotten my ass beat like for reals. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because just last night I was at a friend's place yeah. and uh, their parents are down from the UK and I was telling them about my niece. Yeah who's 14 years old. She's like the same height as me and she looks like she's 21. What the fuck? My other niece called 14? her period at nine and it's just like, yeah. And it's just like, oh That stresses God. me out. So that's the thing too. So everything's changing there. Cause like I used to say this, like, I don't know about, like how old are you? Uh, 23. Okay. So I used to say this like when I was younger, cause I'm 33. When you were like, so let's say you were playing street hockey or you're in the yard or something like that. And a vehicle comes. Yeah. Like we would kind of clear out of the way. Oh yeah. Right. Or if like you were by yourself, you were kind of like nervous because there was a stranger, <laughs> so you'd hide. Yeah. Now you got little kids running out in the middle of the road giving you the finger and everything, <laughs> and they just don't care. Like yeah. I've had kids yell and throw things at my car for no what? reason. And I know when I was younger, like, you know, they'll yeah. look they'll look at me or try to hide and like so just... nervous about like the wind blowing too hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now you have these, like I said, my I'm so bad with ages. I think my middle niece is 12 or 13. Yeah. And they have Instagram. They have fuck? <laughs> access to anything. Yeah. And that's exactly it. This comparison starts at such a young age. Yeah. Where you never at that age, you didn't have, like, I didn't have, I don't remember what age I got a phone. Like, in social media, even when you get a phone, it was a flip phone. Yeah. You had T9 texting. And yeah. so, like, the comparison starts so young. And I always say, like, a lot of people go, well, like, uh, women have it like much more difficult than men and they do 100% rightfully so yeah but that's also because you look at like let's talk in terms of like hormones or something you got the beauty products you got the makeups yeah. you got the hair dyes you got the perfumes your clothing your purses there's all these social standards being pushed on women yeah and then so they're doing all this kind of stuff and they're just completely messing up their hormones and then it's full circle. Yeah. Now their hormones are disrupted. So then their mental health is disrupted. So then they go in and they invest more. I think that's where when you get these, like you'll have some women that were like beautiful and then they'll go get a bunch of plastic surgery. Yeah. And it's just like that psyche in the brain part. I think it was just that full circle of, you know, the comparison, hormones, mental health. Yeah. He's going back, forth, back, forth. And that's like, like, I'm not saying men don't have it difficult, but like women have it so hard. And never mind, like you go on social media. Yeah. And I was like, I was watching a YouTube video and they said, go find the top Instagram fitness accounts, mm -hmm. see what they're doing, and then apply that to yours if you want to be successful. Like, the, you know, Mr. Beast is. He's no. got like the most followers on YouTube. He's like this super hundred something million followers. Oh, okay. Everything. Yeah. And his editor or like he's one of the world's best editors for these guys or okay. he says like steal he was like everything's already been done so you literally have to steal but the thing is is you are, you are your own person so you're making your own content so it's not going to come out the same anyways as long as you try to be authentic yeah so anyway so i go look and i look at the top fitness account and i look it up or whatever and it's a jen settler or something like that 15 million followers yeah. And every picture is half naked with her butt out. Oh, my God. Right? No, that what you were and, talking yeah. about? She's the first girl I started following when I got social media. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, so I went in the mirror and stuck my butt out. And I was like, it's proving myself. And I was like, I'm not going to post this. But, <laughs> but it's like, so that's what you're, that's what women are competing with. Yeah. 
like you see this you're like wow she's got 15 million followers i need a bot like her and i need to do exactly what she's doing to get these followers to get that validation show my ass on the internet right. continuously every yeah. day week and like i want to make the record straight i'm not like i don't knock that yeah like, I don't, oh. unless like you post your ass and then you try to try to post something educational or whatever <laughs> you're not like wait a second <laughs> you are just working what your mama gave you yeah okay? and kudos to you yeah you know what i mean like yeah. if you have that ability it's like these genetically gifted freaks oh yeah if you have that ability power to you like go instead for of it. wasting it yeah right and so i never knock like yeah. you know and that might sound dumb coming from a man i'm not saying yeah go put your ass all the race today and stuff but i'm no, I know not judging you. yeah like i'm be the same with a guy with like a big big chest big shoulders big biceps like yeah. you do you you get out there you flaunt that shit like go yeah for it. that's frustrating me sometimes because i put a lot of work in some content and i get like three likes and then you know but that's the thing too is like i'll post like back in the day i posted like a shirtless picture yeah 100 likes or whatever it's yeah. like but the thing is, for me, if I post that kind of content, I'm not going to get John with stage four prostate cancer. Well, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's where it said social media is a game. It's a huge game. And I can't stand it. Oh, fuck. It makes me so mad sometimes because obviously, like, you get it. You put in so much effort into your content when you don't see the return on something you're so proud of. You put it together. You're like, damn, this is so good. You put it out there. Like, four likes. Yeah. 600 views. You're like... I hate myself. <laughs> years, I freaking wish I got six hundred views. <laughs> oh That's all, like you said, it's all in due time. Yeah, totally. So. And it just takes time. And honestly, like the stuff you're putting out is so valuable. I definitely like to keep up with it because it's it's, it's changing lives for sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, and like even just seeing somebody who cares so much, like your content, honestly inspires me. I'm like, no matter like the topic you come into it so confident and i honestly like appreciate that because most people don't post stuff like that anymore like i would say i see like matt's stuff that he's posting too um and like there's a couple other like fitness people that i really like their stuff but it's like it comes from such a real place and like their instagrams have taken so much time to build but like the where you're at and like the content that you're creating i'm like damn he's talking about hormones he's talking about like the actual root cause because what really bothers me right now and like our society in regards to our medical system and all of that like i've probably like you like you're in it like you've been in it you've experienced it and so i was there when my father was passing away and i saw a nurse neglect to put on his breathing tube correctly and I was like, if I know how to fucking do that and you don't, who are we bringing in here to help save lives? So the fact that you are going that extra mile to be like, hey, it's not just about prescriptions, band-aids being put on actual real things that cause death. And the reason our death rate is skyrocketing and suicide rate is skyrocketing. You're going in there and you're like, no, guys, that's bullshit. And I'm going to tell you that it's fucking bullshit because this is the real shit that's actually happening. Like you said, the hair dye, the makeup, the perfume, the clothes that you put on your body, like everything matters and plays a role in your health mentally and physically. And most people think, oh, well, I ate a burger and now I have to go burn off those calories. It's like, no, your health is so much more than just your body weight. It's so much more than how you look. And so for people who like I work with a lot of women who've had uh like either an eating disorder or they're looking to lose weight and that has stemmed from an eating disorder in the past um it just so happens to work out that way that's who i really connect with because i've experienced similar circumstances and so 
seeing them come to me and say, yeah, well, I'm not losing weight. And I'm like, okay, well, like, how much are you eating? They're like, oh, well, like 1,200 calories. I'm like, what? Yeah. For how long? Well, for like years. And it just won't budge. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, there's so much wrong here. And I was like, and you want to have, I actually had this conversation with somebody yesterday during her consult call. I said, oh, and you also want to be fertile in the next couple of years? You want to have a baby? Is that correct? And she was like, well, yeah, I'm going to go on mat leave in the next couple of years. I said, the stuff that you're doing right now will make you infertile long term. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what? And I'm like, people don't realize there's more to health than the way you look. Yeah. And so like the stuff that you're talking about, hormones and shit, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Curtis posted something today. Because <laughs> it's, it's actually so cool to see that. And I personally don't have the background in that. So I'm not out here spewing stuff like Candida because I'm like, it's still new to me. So who would I be to be like, yeah, this is how you overcome it. Like, I have no ground to stand on in that regard. I know it's obviously important. I've read stuff on it, but not enough to spew knowledge on it because I would never touch on something that's not in my realm of comfortability and be like those people who are in your comments. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, like, I like that you mentioned that, like where you say, like you've read about it and stuff, but you're not going to talk about it. And I think that's kind of like where we run in with social media right now is you have individuals. It's like, uh, this is kind of like where I'm going with this is back during the whole pandemic, there was a, a Facebook post come out saying whoever the guy in charge of Alberta, I'm not into politics at all. Yeah. Whoever the guy in charge of Alberta is banning alcohol sales. Yeah. Right. And I shared it and it was a social experiment because when you open it up, you got Rick rolled, but how many people commented freaking out before you open it and then you'd wait and then they'd come back and they'd go oh never mind right yeah i'm like that's what's that's what our society is now though right oh yeah you get like a little piece of information and all of a sudden we're experts on it and like i love podcasts i love doing podcasts but i also think that's the problem with podcasts if you think you can save someone's life because you listen to a podcast like i'm sorry but you cannot it's even like my hormone series there is so many gaps. That's why it's so difficult for me to create those. Yeah. Because one, I'm always second guessing. And two, it's like the amount of gaps in there to provide perfect context. It'd be like 15 hours long probably. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, each each series part. And even like, so I, it was seven parts. And at the, the, at the end, every part <laughs> I put out, you could see less and less engaged. And I'm like, okay, this is too much. Yeah, totally. This is too much. So now you need to like break it down smaller. That's kind of like where I'm improving. Yeah. But the biggest improvement that I have personally made with social media and I still see this happening. I've called out people that we know and they didn't take it well, but <laughs> people demonize things. Yeah. Constantly demonizing everything, demonizing foods, demonizing workouts, demonizing this. Yeah. Okay. But where's the follow up? Yeah. People can sit here and say perfume is bad for you, <laughs> but you're going to wear perfume. Yeah. I'm never going to get you to stop wearing perfume. Yeah. So instead of sitting here and trying to make you feel bad, or like recently I saw a comment saying that if you don't address this properly, your liver and, and kidneys can fail. No, you're just not going to feel that freaking great. Right? <laughs> yeah. But you're going to wear perfume. Yeah. The old me was like, nope, no, nope. You have to stop wearing perfume. Nope, nope. And like some of my old clients can attest to that. Yeah. Like I had one on her podcast and she even said she couldn't believe the difference in my coaching because that's how I used to be. Yeah. No, you're going to wear perfume. You're going to have a couple of drinks. You're going to eat some Oreo cookies. Yeah. So I have to set your body up. So instead of focusing on all the bad stuff that is happening to you, yeah. I have to focus on how am I going to make that bad stuff less bad? Yeah. Right? Because you're going to live your life. Totally. You're going to do it anyways. Right. And so you're going to do it either way. And when you have somebody who doesn't agree with you, 
or pushes you to change without you willing to change, you're going to be like, that guy's a fucking asshole. And you're not going to like him because people don't like being told what to do. Yeah. Myself included. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, I got to like chew on it a little bit and be like, okay, you're right. Like, but it's, it's honestly, it's hard sometimes because there's so much like good with social media, good content. People are out there telling like their real stories, their real struggles. I think a lot of like fitness influencers now are slowly taking a turn with being a little bit more original and authentic, which I truly appreciate. Um, obviously, it's going to be a slow process. Nobody changes overnight. But I think right now there's so much like cancel culture out there where it's like, we're canceling this exercise. It's like, why? It's like the whole your knees can't go over your toes. And then you have the guy on Instagram who's like the knees over toes guy now. Yeah. And so he's like contradicting that. And he's like, well, this is why it's beneficial. He's not telling you to like not listen to whoever told you that. He's like, no, I'm just going to provide some really valuable content. This is why I think it's beneficial. Um, Yeah. And here I am if you have any questions. And I appreciate when people are like that and they're open minded yeah. to a discussion. Yeah. Because that's when you can run into trouble is when you're like perfume is bad. You should not wear it. And then I'm going to look at that and be like, well, I don't want to smell like ass. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you expect me to do? It's like, well, wear natural deodorant. Well, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's nice when people give you like not one specific topic with like one specific answer. They give you a generalized topic, hormones. And oh, well, here's like five different reasons they affect your health. If you feel this way, this way, and this way is probably because of X, Y, and Z. People see that. They're like, oh interesting you almost let them make their own decision because psychologically people appreciate like that instead of the being told what to do obviously like you and i were just talking about like your ego kind of gets into it and so if you're like yeah here's information do with it what you will then it allows them to sit back and people need to see something seven times to make a decision yeah which is why ads are so frequent nowadays and you see it every other slide if you're on social media but that's why there's so much like overload but when you're like genuine with your content and you're like here just take it as you will i'm gonna sit over here if you need me (laughs) people love that yeah and well i think the hardest part is when you look at and i'm sure your friend has told you this like you have to that's what i mean you can't just like if you're gonna demonize something yeah you gotta follow up with a solution otherwise people are not gonna like your content some people will engage with that like yeah i know that but they're not the ones that are gonna invest in you they're just with you right totally if you want people to invest in you you have to also have a solution yeah but there's so much context involved so take for example like you know i'll put supplementation recommendations on my post but i'll always be like please consult a professional first yada 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 but also then you'll get back well i tried that doesn't do anything (laughs) for me well there's so much context involved You know, there's so much context involved as to why you talk about the knees over the toe guy. Yeah. So many people be like, my knees hurt. And so I got like a straight up question for you. Do you know what the extensor hallucis longus is? No. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. People don't. Yeah. That's the muscle that runs from here all the way up to your knee. It's the yeah. only one in the front of your calf or tibia. Yeah. Right. So most people, well, how many people do you know that have placed a load on their toes and lifted it? Never. Exactly. Yeah. But when they do, let's say, okay, you meet somebody that does, yeah. they usually just work the tibia. They're not at working that extensor. Yeah. So then there's that. So it's like, oh, I work my tibia and I still get knee pain. And I'm like, okay, well, how's your actual calves? How's your hips? Where's the, like, there's so much context involved. Well, yeah. And this is why social media is so frustrating. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, like you just, you just want to help people. You want to provide good content, but like, I don't know about you, but like when I'm making it, you're like, oh, should I really put this? 99% of the time, that's how I feel. 
Yeah, Isn't like, like you actually benefit from this? <laughs> yeah. Is like, it because you're second guessing yourself? Because like you said, there's so much context, and so when you have a consult, you go in depth on everything mm-hmm. because everybody's different. And in the fitness space, everybody thinks everything is black and white. The amount of women I work with who are like, "Yeah, I just need to cut calories," mm-hmm. I'm like. No, like there's one specific guy on social media that I I like, but also like don't agree with, but I still follow his stuff because I'm like almost kind of interested in hearing his side of the story where it's very much like, yeah, just cut calories. I'm like, no, a lot of this. uh, His name's Carter Good. Yeah, so he's uh, posts a lot about like um, calories in versus calories out. And I used to believe that for a really long time. And like, I guess I was like the bodybuilding in me when I first got into it you don't know a ton of stuff everything's very black and white oh if i want to cut i just cut calories if i want to bulk i just add more protein obviously is pretty essential so i'll up that first out of everything but for like the amount of women that i've worked with with like within the last six months that have come to me and they have way more underlying issues than something as simple as wanting to just lose weight is absolutely like astronomical like all these women are like I had somebody who uh, came to work with me who was uh, 55 and she actually was like, yeah, the last coach I had just put me on 1500 calories. And she goes, I don't know if it was because it was online where she didn't actually meet me in person and didn't really know who I was. But she was like, yeah, I'm like, I didn't lose weight. It didn't end up working out. And I was like, well, did you guys talk about anything else? She's like, no, she just gave me a meal plan and told me to follow it. And I'm like, no, no. Like there's so much more to it than just here you go, fly be free, you're on your own now. It's very much like, okay, well, what do you like to eat? What is your daily like stress management, sleep look like? What is your daily nutrition look like? Do you drink a lot on the weekends? What is your, like your actual life itself, like the stuff that you dive into, what does that look like? Because that's going to reflect the result that you want, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're, it, you're right. It's, it's increasingly getting worse. Because of like our convenient lifestyles, yeah. everything is made for convenience, which is affecting our health. Um, but like I always tell people, like that guy promoting calories in, calories out, he's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. But like you have to make that caloric deficit, and so like most people's body. So what I mean by that for the anybody that's listening in is like theoretically, if you're like your basal metabolic rate is yeah. your thirteen hundred calories, but you've been eating twelve hundred calories for X amount of time and you have hormonal issues, so your thyroid is downregulated, yeah, yada, yada, yada. You're maybe only burning like seventy eight percent of that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And so then you have to decrease more and more food to actually put yourself in that caloric deficit, which comes with those negative responses. Yeah. So yes, it is calories in versus calories out. Yeah. But you have to make that applicable. Yeah. And that's not applicable to a huge percentage of the population at this point in time. It's like in my hormone series, I said, I have yet to meet a female that isn't low in progesterone. Yeah. Like they're like all low in progesterone. Yeah. You know? And it's because it's just the way society is now. Yeah. It's so you gotta fix that stuff. Then your calories in, calories out is very applicable. Yeah. What would you recommend for like a client who struggles with progesterone as a whole? If they didn't know what it was, if they didn't know how that affected their life, what would you say to like that person, I guess? Like just out of curiosity. So like, what do you mean to like try to implement like implement strategies to improve that progesterone? Yeah. And like what the symptoms would be if they struggled with it, obviously. So the biggest thing is obviously you got anxiety and there was a job. (laughs) (laughs) Progesterone produces GABA. Yeah. Which is your calming neurotransmitter 
So it calms you down. Yeah. Estrogen produces your excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. Yeah. So when you have these women, I'm sure you've experienced anxiety. Oh, yeah. I'm sure your friend experiences anxiety. Yeah. I'm sure all your friends experience anxiety. Oh, We're all crazy women who experience anxiety. <laughs> so just see that. And then if, like I said, that's that's why I created the hormone series because yeah. it's that pregnenolone steel. Yeah. So I just, I show people the steroid pathways and I say, look, you know how you're freaking out about your job? Yeah. Instead of it going this way, it's now going this way. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you have low progesterone. Yeah. Right. And this is why, and then you start, it's that relatability, which is obviously more difficult as a male. Yeah. But when I can call you on a thing, so I can be like, hey, let me get this, Noah. You experienced this at X, Y, Z of your cycle or whatever. And they're like, how do you know? Like, how do you know? You're a dude. Like, how do you know? Everyone's like, you're a wizard. Right? <laughs> That's how I get them. Yeah. That's how I get them. Yeah. Right. But then you get people like, because I recommend progesterone supplementation. Yeah. But then you start talking in the realm of like hormones. So then they think like it's bad and look, 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 bioidentical and everything. I'm like, well, what I recommend is bioidentical. And then once again, there's all that context involved because you'll go on the internet and you'll read about HRT, mm-hmm. like hormone replacement therapy, yeah. and you read nothing but bad stuff. Well, yeah. And that's because of you're not detoxifying properly. Yeah. Right. So you get onto that realm, but then you said the word detoxifying. So now people are scoffing at you when they have no education at all about phases of the liver. And so it's like, I have to kind of like really get in and educate people. Yeah. But how I get them is I call them on something They're like, how did he know? Yeah. Right? Like a really big one, sleep apnea. Yeah. I'm really good. You know why? Why? Because I, ha- I used to have an extremely severe case of sleep apnea. I stopped oh. breathing 71 times an hour. And shit. I can see the lines on their face from their mask. Wow. Most people won't pick that up, but because I used to sleep with a mask yeah. and I'd get those lines, it's something I would pick out right away on people. Yeah. And so they're like, how did you know I have sleep apnea as they're like 400 pounds? But yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. it's actually the lines in their face. Yeah. So it's just little things like that. So when you gain that experience and that knowledge and you're able to call people yeah. on things like the the best, the best is the gut. So I have like a health appraisal questionnaire. Like people get so complacent to how they feel. So they'll answer in the questionnaire under the gut section, like really low numbers. But then I see their photos and you could see, you can tell the distension. They're, they're like not near the end of their cycle and you can tell it. So it's not like a hundred percent hormone related. You can see that it's a bacterial issue or a low stomach, whatever gut issue creating this bloating and distension. Yeah. So then you start to call them on things. Yeah. Right. Hey, have you experienced this? I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I have. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. That's how I get people. Yeah. That's how I always get people. And then sometimes I don't get that opportunity. Yeah. You know, so like I recently started working with this female who's wanting to come off birth control, which she is going to do in a couple of days. But I said, you can't just come off. There's a procedure you have to do so you don't get the potential rebound. Yeah. And, you know, very reluctant to do things, you know, like I put some collagen in her plan for X, Y, Z reason and she didn't get in. And I said, she's just like, I tried it before I didn't do anything. I said, okay, that's fine. Right. She did one week on the plan. Also, she's like, which collagen do I get? Should I get more of this? Yeah. So then I, then you just earn their trust that way. Kind of, totally. Because they saw such a drastic difference in their first week. Yeah. Because she's like, you know, she's dealing with like hair loss and hormonal issues and everything. Yeah. And so like targeting that and able to turn it around right away. Then that's how it's like really okay. So now next step is progesterone, or you just do the labs. Yeah, labs. Holy crap, labs. Yeah, have changed my career. Really? Yeah, because you could sit here and spew all. It's like this guy who commented on that candida. Yeah, 
you could sit here and spew all goddamn day long about what candida does to the human body, et cetera, et cetera. But then when you show someone a lab yeah. who struggles with binge eating and you see their candida excessively high, all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, I believe in this now. I yeah. need to do something now, right? Or like you talk about supplementation. A lot of people are reluctant to supplement because yeah, there's so much garbage out there. Yeah. But then you get a lab, like progesterone. You take a Dutch test. Yeah. All of a sudden you have no progesterone. You're not gonna second guess. You're gonna like, yeah, give me that progesterone. Yeah. So labs make a huge difference, but nobody knows how to read labs properly. Yeah. You know, so for example, like a Dutch test, you look at you got low progesterone. Okay, yeah. well, supplement progesterone. Okay, well, why does this individual have low progesterone? Yeah. There's so many markers within that lab. It's like blood work. Yeah. Right? You have the ranges on blood work. Mm -hmm. All they mean is you might not get a disease. Yeah. That's all they mean. Yeah. They don't mean that you're functional and that you're healthy. Yeah. They just means, okay, you might <laughs> yeah. not get a disease. So we see this, right? Especially when you look at the immune system, you look like lymphocytes and neutrophils and all this kind of stuff, like your first responders. Yeah. They'll be within range, but they'll be, to me, on a higher low spectrum. So that tells me if you've been fighting a chronic infection or if you're fighting an acute infection. Because you'll go to the doctor with like chronic fatigue, it'll yeah. run your CBC, oh, it's fine. And then I'll look at your CBC and I'll be like, you have an infection. Interesting. This is why you're fatigued. Yeah. Right? You probably have some sort of mold exposure. Yeah. This is why you're fatigued. And I can pick that out through blood work. Wow. Right? Yeah. But that is a little more difficult to convince people because they're like, what are you talking about? It's in the functional range. Or yeah, totally. But as soon as they see a red yeah. or a high or a low, yeah. they're sold. Yeah. They're sold. That's why in that hormone series, how many times did I say it? Check your labs. Yeah. Because you'll check your labs and all of a sudden you'll be like, oh, so people eating 1200 calories. Yeah. Check their labs. You are extremely low in everything that is going to help you be fertile and have a healthy baby. All of a sudden, they're going to, oh, maybe I should stop eating 1,200 calories. Yeah. It's crazy how common that is. You know, like what people will do to sacrifice their health because, like you said, they get comfortable with those symptoms. So, like, they get comfortable with just being in that unhealthy state because it's not obviously acutely affecting their life. They're like, I'm tired. Oh, I crash at 3 p.m. I'll just have another cup of coffee. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm very guilty of that sometimes. Yeah. And so I'm like, no, that's not what's going on here. Like, there's more at play. And I was that person for such a long time, which is why, like, I would say my, like, own journey in regards to coaching very much pivoted. I would say, like, I obviously went into it being, like, somebody who was kind of, like, nervous Obviously, like when you're a new coach, you're like, I have people's lives in my hands. Like I have to be responsible. So I still obviously, like I mentioned to you, don't speak on like Candida and things like that because it's out of my realm of education. But I would say in the beginning, I was very much like calories in, calories out. Okay. Like we're looking at all the generic stuff. This obviously makes sense. And now I'm very much like, oh, there's more at play here simply because I went through that. I was that person working night shifts. Then days, then night shifts again, six days a week. I'd have one day. I would probably sleep until 4 p.m. I would feel like fucking shit. I was always inflamed. I always felt uncomfortable. I couldn't digest anything. I probably had two monsters a day plus coffee. Like I was actually a savage. I look back at me. I'm like, you look terrible. Like in the face, like you look so unbelievably unwell. And I just did it because I love the grind and I'm definitely somebody who like 
thrives in the positive aspect on like anxiety and ADHD. Like that works in my favor in that aspect. Totally. And so I'm like, all right, what's next? Let's go. And so I realized when I took a step back from that, from working night shifts, from doing all that, and I let my body like kind of like unwind after that for a good while where I just obviously COVID happened and I moved here and I didn't have a serving job and I was just was fitness coaching. I was like, oh boy, I definitely pushed stuff aside that should not have been pushed aside for far too long. Like old childhood experiences, disassociating, like letting anxiety run my life for far too long. My like 100% my thyroid was fucked. Like I was like screwed for a long time where I felt like always tired. And then that's when I gained all that weight. Are you on birth control? I am currently, yeah. Yeah. What do you want? Uh, I'm on the Morena IUD and yeah, I got okay. that like four years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's like has a five year term. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'll definitely come to you for help. <laughs> Slowly coming off of it because I was like, I got to get this thing out of me. Because um, I honestly went to that point where I was like, whoa, like your eyes open to this whole realm of opportunity where you're like, birth control is not the be all end all. And I had a client come to me and she goes, it's the fucking devil. Fucking children. It's, yeah, totally. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not in a place where I could have kids. And so I find I have this conversation with a lot of women and birth control and me are still kind of at that place where I'm like, I don't know everything. So at this point, I'm like, okay, like all the knowledge that comes my way, I'm going to take it as a grain of salt because I feel like obviously everybody has something to say about it. But I've never met somebody who's had so much real stuff to say where you look at somebody and you're like yeah well you obviously have sleep apnea because of the lines in your head i've never met somebody like that aside from my mom who's also in the healthcare uh practitioner industry um and she's unbelievable like that i've never met anybody else like that but obviously her realm of uh, education is also in a certain place where it's not i guess directly correlated with fitness and personal training and hormone health and things like that it's a little bit different she helps in regards to like spiritual healing, emotional healing, like trauma, things like that. She's worked in a big realm, but I feel like she doesn't specialize in hormones. And so we haven't unlocked that conversation because truthfully, like you go to your doctor and you're like, hey, I'm tired. I feel like shit. I don't, I don't really sleep all that well. Um, I kind of feel bloated all the time. Like I just feel off. And every single doctor you go to will be like, oh, okay, well, uh, you know what, let's uh, write a prescription for sleeping pills um, and let's get that under control because obviously you need to sleep. That's this necessary. Um, and then you know what, we'll see. Maybe you are allergic to something. We'll order you an allergy test. Maybe if you push for it. I went to my doctor last year and I was, I said everything that I could have said and I don't mind being open about it. I was like, I'm really struggling with my depression again. Like suicide's a real thing again. Anxiety's through the roof. ADHD makes me compulsive, which makes you more prone to obviously suicide. And so I was like, behaviors. yeah. And so I was like, what do I do? God, I'll trust myself on my own. And she's like, oh, okay, well, let's get you on antidepressants. And I was like, at that point, I was at wit's end where I was like, I will try anything to get out of this like slump because it was a slump of like months. And I was like, I can't live this way anymore. And you get desperate. And so for women, same with birth control, you get desperate to like put something on whatever is happening, whatever symptoms you are experiencing for women, like painful periods, like 
um, obviously like hair loss, weight gain, things like that. They're like, I just feel out of control. What can I get to just help me feel normal for five seconds? And so I reached for it. I remember taking that and I heard a podcast on somebody who uh, actually went off of it. And he said that the symptoms of going off of this specific antidepressant, I can't remember the name of it. Um, he was like, my symptoms were exacerbated, like prior to what I felt before going on this. You know why? Tell me why. <laughs> so I think I mentioned a couple of podcasts. Yeah. Um, but so SSRIs, so selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Yeah. You have your pre-neuron and your post-neuron and they don't actually touch. You have your synap synaptic cleft in there. Yeah. So that post-neuron is going to call for an action. So let's say it's serotonin. So yeah. that pre-neuron will create that serotonin, hopefully anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and it goes into the synaptic cleft where it either A, gets re-uptaked back into the pre-neuron. Yeah. B, gets uptaked into the post-neuron, kind of makes its way down the chain. Or C, gets broken down by monooxidase, which yeah. is MAO, which is the enzyme to break down serotonin. So your body, I always say this, is a miraculous meat suit. Yeah. So when you take those SSRIs, you start uptaking more serotonin into the brain, hopefully. Your brain goes, okay, I like this, but this isn't right. Yeah. It knows something's up. So how it retaliates is it downregulates the receptors in the brain for serotonin. It increases the enzyme MAO for breaking down serotonin. Interesting. This is why you feel good initially on SSRIs and yeah. then you kind of level out. And then when you go off, that's why the suicide rate is so high. Yeah. You have now even less serotonin with desensitized receptors and an increased enzyme for breaking down serotonin. Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy. Like the, I did like very, very brief research on it. Very brief. And I didn't know all the terms, but I just remember it being <laughs> bad when you get off of them. And I was like, I think I did them for three weeks. It was like, you were talking, and I'm like a very expressive, bubbly person. I love talking to people. I love meeting new people. And I'm definitely somebody to spark up a conversation with somebody in the grocery store. I remember absolutely being numb, not wanting to talk to anybody, not really wanting to like strive in my business, feeling like just kind of like content. And I was like, content in what regard like why was I content because every single painful symptom I was experiencing was like like put a little bit of a band-aid on it like there you go like you can have that for a little bit and I was like this feels weird I don't feel like myself like I just felt like numb and I'm like this is not me I'm somebody who like truthfully and my doctor was like we need to prescribe something for your ADHD I was like well yeah like i kind of know how to control it now and then it works in my favor truthfully for success in business and success in like fitness for myself because I know how to like control it I know how to like shoot it down different ways and if it's taking over my life I know what I need to do like step back with caffeine step back with obviously your workload like uh, there's ways that I can navigate it now but at the time I was like what the fuck is happening to me I went from being totally crazy what it felt like being totally crazy um to feeling like numb and not like myself and so i went off of them immediately i was like nope i'm not doing this told her i wasn't gonna do it and she was like well we can always try something else and i was like nope they're not for me i don't believe in that because at that point it was just like a desperation thing and so when i feel like most people get to that point i feel like it's so much easier to give into what society tells you and be like just get on birth control just get on this prescription 
just go see your doctor. And I'm like, no, I actually want to get to the bottom of this. I'm interested to see what the true me is because I feel like what they push now is a lot of like, you need to be your best version of you. You need to be this most perfect version of you all the time. And it's like, no, but I can love the ugly parts of me too. And those also make me an authentic individual. And I feel like people are so scared to show that part of themselves, to show that side of themselves because it's vulnerable. And I feel like the more people, and there's also the fucking double-edged sword where it's like people are over, um, I guess, accepting of their pain, of their mental pain, and they become a part of it. And so that's their identity now. Um, so I, there's definitely two sides of it, but I feel like it's not talked about. So people are always kind of like unaware of like where they should go in regards to pain. Because yeah. I feel like you can't talk about it. If you say you want to go to therapy, people are like, oh, what's wrong with you? I'm like, yeah, I've been to therapy. It was the best thing I ever did. But I feel like most people can't have a conversation with somebody like this. Yeah. So they can't even talk about what's on their mind. Mm. You're on your phone. You're scrolling through life. You go to your nine to five, you go home, you crack a beer. Yeah. It's like, that's what society is pushing now. They're pushing the convenience. They're pushing the skip the dishes. They're pushing the alcohol. They're pushing the marijuana. Why do you think they made it legal? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, no wonder you feel like shit. Everything is being pushed onto you that's going to make you feel evidently worse long term. And it's funny for, like, for me personally, for so long, like, alcohol is so normalized and it honestly ruined my life. And I was like, the fact that people are out here, like, not giving a crap about alcohol or the drugs that they put in their body. They thrive on six hours of sleep. They thrive on that part of life. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you running from? What version of you are you running from? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's like, what are you hiding? What are you What are you scared of? Because I know for a fact I did the same thing. And so when any any single person tries to tell me like, oh noah and i don't surround myself with these people anymore but odd oh, because it's my age group for sure yeah and so they're like oh Noah, like come on come on for a drink my friends don't even fucking ask anymore because they know for a fact i'll be like man you have no idea how much i don't want to do that that would be the last thing i do yeah, yeah i still work in a bar extra money is nice mm -hmm. but it also shows me the true colors of people and yeah sure if you want to go have a beer i'm not like don't get me wrong beer is great Alcohol can be great in some circumstances, like what you said, in moderation, in balance. It would be impossible for somebody to cut out Oreos and a beer every once in a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I get that. I understand that. But I'm also like, okay, well, why do you feel the need to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's that There's that fine line. And like, I wanted to comment on where you said, like where people can't talk about and such, but then you mentioned therapy. And I think where therapy can be successful is obviously in conjunction with changing habits and lifestyle. Oh, yeah. But where why people can't talk about it is because what I've come to, like, especially if you go to a friend yeah. and you try to talk to a friend about this, whether you realize it or not, you, whether it's conscious or subconscious, you have an expectation of that friend. Oh, absolutely. Of that individual that you're talking to. And 98% of the time, they're not going to meet that expectation. And then you walk away disappointed. <laughs> you feel worse. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. And so like, at least with therapy, it's a very neutral ground and you kind yeah. of have those expectations. Or if you do have those expectations, 
they kind of like exceed those expectations if you get a good one. Totally. And then that completely changes your perspective on things and that it gives you that ability, you know, to better yourself in those avenues. Whereas, yeah, like a friend, like, so for example, if like, let's say you ran a red light and hit a car. Yeah. You want your friend to be on your side, even though <laughs> you're at fault. You know, yeah, well, you're at fault. But yeah. You want your friend to be on that side. Yeah. And any sound human being is going to be like, no, no, you're the idiot yeah. that ran the red light. Because if you have the one that's like, yeah, screw that bastard. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's you shouldn't really be friends with them, right? Those are the ones that get into too much trouble. Oh, but yeah. any sound human being is going to be like, no, no, you were at fault. But that's not what you want to hear. No. That's you want to hear what you like, no, hear. it's okay. Yeah, like, and like, yeah, that guy's an idiot, like, yeah. you know. You want to be comforted, like your mom would comfort you. It's exactly. like, no, that's not actually how life works. Yeah, and that goes back to the participation trophy thing. Oh. On set. Don't even get me started on that. That shit makes so me so mad, Curtis. <laughs> so I want to talk to you, though, about your story, okay? About, okay. Because you do have, like, quite, a, quite an awesome transformation. I've seen you post it a few times on Instagram where, yeah, you could definitely tell. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Where did that all start? Like what led what led to the photo on the left? So when you were in like your worst place? What led to that? That's actually a really good question. So I was living in BC. And so I grew up actually in Nelson, BC. I moved here uh, February 2020. So. But were you here? Were you visiting and stuff? Yes, yeah, I did I actually I've visit. I've seen you before. Yeah, definitely. Before you actually moved here. Yeah, my brother lived here. So I would. That's why you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. So my brother lived here. He's lived here for the last six years. So I would come visit him the last three years. He's been going to Kings for forever, like for six years. Uh, Liam Butterfield, you'd recognize him if I pointed him out. He's like he just keeps to himself. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like that one right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he's just a very, uh, like, I guess not shy individual. He just keeps to himself, um, like most people at the gym. And so, anyways, I'd come visit him here, but. When I decided to move here, I was like, you know what? I'll move in with my ex at the time. and Or not this time, but with my boyfriend at the time. And uh, I was like, I made the worst mistake, but also the best mistake at the same time. Because I feel like it taught me a lot in a very short amount of time. And so I went from one relationship and I was like kind of teetering between, you know, there's stuff that was unresolved from my childhood that I felt the need to be loved by people who weren't good for me and so I was with the, this one guy and then I broke up with him met this other guy who actually lives here um and I was like well my brother lives in Calgary I'm just gonna move there the guy I'm dating is also there I want to change a pace I wanted to expand my business and fitness coaching this is a great opportunity it's cheaper than Vancouver cheaper than Kelowna um that was my initial like thought. And my brother's also my best friend. So I was like, I'll move here. Cool. This sounds great. Uh, COVID hit, obviously. Um, and so I went from being somebody who was probably like 140, 150. Like I was definitely naturally leaner after like I began my fitness journey in the very, very beginning. I went chunky to lean. And so I was like skinny fat is what they call it. So I didn't have a ton of muscle. Still had a little bit of a belly, but I was like, pretty stoked on what I did um just in my own journey I was like yeah all right I feel pretty good putting on a bathing suit but definitely not wasn't satisfied met this person came here COVID happened um this person wasn't who I thought they were very very toxic relationship and so I Do I know this person yeah you know this person <laughs> and so I met this person moved in with them because I he in his mind he was like 
well, if you're going to move here, like, move in with me. And I was like, damn, all right. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Like, me being super, like, naive and like, la, la, la. Like, that sounds great. Honeymoon phase. <laughs> Let's go. Have rent. <laughs> yeah, totally. And my dad's, like, sitting in Nelson, like, bad idea. You should probably not do that. But he was, like, the type of dad that would let me make my own mistakes. He was very much like, you know what? I trust you. You will make your own mistakes. Um, best dad ever. Like in that regard, he was like, I trust you. You just have to learn on your own. I'll tell you if what you're doing is stupid though. And so he was like, I don't agree with this, but you're your own woman. You're old enough now. You can make your own decision. I made my own decision and I regretted my own decision. I moved out. I moved in February. I moved out August. Oh, really? Yeah. It was like very quick turnover. I also got stuck in that limbo. So when COVID hit, we couldn't work. I already was very depressed because I lost my dog at the time when I moved here. Um, and I was just like very confused with life. I didn't really know where I was going. I was trying to navigate it with a new person, which was also like partly my fault for like biting off more than I could chew, essentially. Yeah. I was still trying to find myself. How am I supposed to find myself when I have somebody else involved who's like, I want to marry you? And I'm like, mm. I don't even know if I want to marry myself. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to commit to you? And so I ended up eating my feelings. And so I ate and I binge ate. And I that was already something I kind of dealt with um, in regards to like emotions. Whenever I would feel something, I'd be like, uh, like this weird anxiety to be like, okay, I got to either go for a run. I got to go. And that's why fitness was obviously a outlet of mine for so long and still is. But for me at that time, gyms were closed. And so it almost like really heightened the fact that food was an emotional thing for me. It was like a hug essentially. And so it just so happened to be the same thing for him too. And so we both went from being like, I was probably a hundred and 40, 150 pounds, depending on the day. I went to like, I remember stepping on the scale one day and I remember like my clothes started fitting differently. I remember my face felt different. I, you know, you feel different. You're like, whatever though, I'm comfortable. I'm with this person. Who cares? Like, this is, I guess I'm stuck with you now. Like kind of thing. Like that was my mindset, yeah, truthfully. Yeah. And which is so shitty because I was, I still am so young, but I was so young at the time, like thinking, well, this is as good as it's going to get because I felt like I didn't love myself. So I was like, this is the love that I'm going to accept because it's better than what I was giving myself, you know? Okay. And so I ate my feelings. I gained about 60 pounds. So I hit about 200 pounds in like a span of like maybe three months. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? I, like, <laughs> I remember standing on a scale and being like, whoa, oh my God. Girl, you ate you. <laughs> all day long? Like, wow. I don't know what it was. I think it was a mix of, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was a mix of eating, but also like moving. But I started doing the workouts that he was doing, which is was what I wasn't used to. So I started powerlifting. So I didn't do glycolytic demand. <laughs> yeah. So I started powerlifting. I didn't have a lot of exertion. I was still like at the time I was like, damn, okay, I was moving quite a bit. But I wasn't conscious of like what I was eating. I didn't have a regular eating routine. I would eat a lot of food at night, which is like still something that I struggle with in that regard where it's like an emotional thing. Oh, I'm alone. Oh, I don't feel good. Okay, I need to like either distract myself with like a show or creating content or whatever, or I'm going to eat. And so at the time I'd eat 
And so I would go and search for food to feel good to be able to go to bed with a person that I didn't feel good about. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I gained a ton of weight. My sister-in-law and my brother were like, are you okay? And I was like, what do you mean? Everybody like tiptoeing though? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Everyone's tiptoeing around the subject. I was like pretty, I was big, like very big, the biggest I've ever been. And so- uh, like for my frame, it was like very noticeable. And I remember my sister-in-law looks at me and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> looks at her and it's like one tear comes down. I'm like, I'm fine. Why do you ask? <laughs> and uh, she's like, I don't know. You guys don't seem happy together. Like, it's okay to talk to me about that. And like, they have a beautiful relationship. My brother, and my sister-in-law, they've been together for almost 10 years now, um, like high school sweethearts. So it's like hard for me to go to somebody like that and be like, I'm struggling because you guys have a beautiful relationship. It's almost embarrassing at that point. You so kinda... were you comparing that to you then, comparing their relationship? Yeah, definitely. And so I was like, well, they like live together. They moved in pretty quick. So sure, I'll do the same. Um, and then actually my sister-in-law looks at me. She's like, you know, like, are you happy? Yes or no? And I was like, no. And she was like, okay, well, what can I do to help you get out of this? And this is when, as soon as that conversation started, which was probably like pretty close after I moved in, as soon as that conversation started, the guy that I was with immediately knew that that was something that was being had because I was starting to change. I started to like move out of powerlifting, move into eating a little healthier, moved into like that version of me that I kind of was before. And it's almost like he was slowly trying to change me to what he wanted me to be, like the ideal girlfriend, like fiance, whatever he wanted in the future. Um, And I was like, I don't really feel good being that person. And so I started to change back into who I was. I started to slowly find myself. I started managing a gym in Kensington. I started like working out a lot more. I started eating better. I surrounded myself with really cool people, a really great community. Um, My boss at the time was like unbelievable to me and he wanted me to succeed. And so the fact that I had other people in my life pushing me, because he didn't do that. He wanted me to be on his level. He was like, come come over here like I'm gonna pull you back a bit and I was like I want to I want to go over there though and he's like he saw that and so he started doing the craziest shit and that's when I was like no I have to pull the plug like this is not gonna work we can't be together my sister-in-law's like you'll move in with us cool and I remember one day I was like yeah I'm gonna move out and he's like no you're not I was like uh what (laughs) I think I I think I might (laughs) He was at work. My sister-in-law packed my shit. And I told him, I said, if you ever talk to me again, I'll call the police. And here we are. Okay, so I got to ask <laughs> Because I'm positive I know who you're talking uh, Yeah, you do. So is it not like awkward or anything? Is there not like... Oh, uh, I would say awkward for... In the beginning was definitely awkward. Reason being is because I was a new person in the gym. Oh, yeah. So for people to understand, they go to the same gym. Yeah. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> so. And so he started going there first. And so... I had, I felt like I would walk into the gym and I had all eyes on me. And I felt like I was, because he had this perception that I cheated on him. And so he spread that amongst the gym. And so when I started coming there, I was still managing the gym in Kensington, but it was nice to have like another place to go, you know, like I'm a full believer, like where you work isn't always where you should play. Like there needs to be a little bit of a separation there um, to like keep that spark alive where I was working. And so I'd still go to King's, but man, like every single trainer there was like, 
we don't like you because of what we've heard. Like you came here out of BC. This is like my perception. Okay. Don't know if this is actually accurate. I even chatted with trainers about it currently. Like you were probably wrong. Yeah, I was a hundred percent wrong. Generally. Yeah. And I was, cause I chatted with Jordan and Tia and they were like, no, we saw right through it, but it was him as a person made me feel so awful about myself that I felt like that's how other people felt because of that community. And I was like, and he had to bring you down to his level. And that's what yeah, insecure people do. Totally. And so, yeah, it was like for a full year, I kind of went there on and off. Like I mostly just trained at the gym that I worked at anyways. Um, and then one day I was like, fuck this. I'm tired of putting myself down for somebody else. I'll come in here hot and heavy with my bu bubbly personality. I'm going to befriend every single person. I'm going to get out here. Uh, and then I started slowly transitioning from what actually happened was like a pretty shitty situation where I was working. Um, my dad passed away. My boss actually ended up demoting me because he said my head wasn't in it. And so he demoted me back to a coach where you make absolutely nothing. Like at this gym, as a coach, training like group classes, you know, you make fucking nothing. And so I was like, actually in a pickle because I already kind of chatted about this with Leo, I'm like, do you mind if I train clients here? But it's a conflict of interest. So I already kind of creaked one door open and the other one slammed right in my face. He was like, nope, you're not working here anymore. Sorry, the conflict of interest because you were at that other gym? Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's essentially why. And so I started just nutrition coaching online during that time. I asked him if he was okay with that. He was like, yeah, absolutely. You can bring it into the gym too if you want and start training clients. We'll figure that out. Um, and then like that whole like life-changing experience of like losing my dad um, and going from that to having somebody else who I felt like I could rely on look at me and be like, yeah, you're just not in it mentally. The day after I got back out of cleaning his house out and you tell me that my head's not in it, of course it's not fucking in it right now. I just cleaned out my best friend's house, the house that I grew up in. How do you think I feel? And he's like, well, so-and-so is going to take over. You're just going to continue to coach, but we're going to cut your hours down. I almost had to sue this guy because he neglected to like, I can't remember the word, but he neglected to pay me for what I was making before till the end of the week. And nobody tells you how expensive it is when somebody dies. You have to get them cremated. And I was like, you think I moved here, spent all my money, everything got shut down. Just started making money. It's like that meme. Can you afford to die? <laughs> it's crazy. Like you don't realize that. Um, and then I went from doing that to like just fresh off the boat in my own business. And I was like, screw this. I don't really care what anybody thinks of me. I'm going to make my own brand and I'm going to show this guy who demoted me that he made a fucking shitty mistake. And he did. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So why would it have been conflict of interest? Like, you mean carrying clients from there to the gym? No, because it was both training. So it was a, a conflict of interest because this uh, corporate, uh, what is it called? Franchise, sorry. This franchise had specific rules in their contracts where they couldn't have PT clients or, uh, sorry, they couldn't have like their trainers go and train somewhere else. But it's funny because now that I like stepped back and like looked at it, I'm like, everybody else was training. Why couldn't I do it? But it's because I was the manager. So I was the face of this location. He's like, you can't do it because they'll all follow you. And I was like, is that bad though? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, if you don't want that, be better then. Yeah, exactly. Like, and 
It was honestly like a blessing in disguise. Can like, I ask which company it was? Uh, F45. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about them, but it sounds a lot like Good Life and all the other ones. Yeah, and it literally is the exact same. It's just a cult. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, when I left, it was like the scariest thing. But I'm like, if I'm not going to do it now, when am I going to do it? And so yeah. then I did it. And uh, yeah, I just decided to go full force into King's Fitness because I already loved the space. Um, and then it was like my dad ran his own business and so did my mom. So my dad helped me a little bit, kind of get my feet wet with just online coaching um, when I was still working for that other job and he helped me, but it was like the old fashioned way. So like I went into it, went into it being like, what do I do? Like, all I know is going door to door. All I know is being like myself. I don't know anything about social media. I don't know anything about marketing. I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> what do I do? And you have that like weird kind of like question mark above your head, like, what did I just fucking do? Like, yeah. okay, I have this much to pay in bills and I have no clients. <laughs> so did I make a mistake? <laughs> um, and honestly, I was just like, you know what? I'll figure it out. And it's been like over a year and a half, almost two years now. Still nice. figuring it out. <laughs> so when you quit that place, does that mean that contract is terminated? Yeah. Yeah, so what does it matter? They yeah. take clients anyway. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, this doesn't make any sense. It was just bizarre. Because that's what happened to me a good life. Like, yeah? They're like, yeah, well, first of all, the fitness manager brought me clients yeah. for the side because I was the nutrition guru there at the time. Yeah. So I would still have my own business. So the whole fitness matter was even involved, even though it was against contract. Yeah. And then I never, ever did train other clients. Oh, okay. Never did. Only trained one a good life. And then when I quit- uh -huh. They tried bashing me and saying that I was doing this and that they were going to do something about yeah. it. I'm like, you, first of all, you have no proof. Second of all, if you're talking about the nutrition clients, that was your fitness manager. Yeah. I was bringing them, which is awesome. I got along great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she wouldn't not gonna trust anybody else. Yeah. Right? And so, and yeah, those organizations, like, I get it, the whole conflict of interest, but it's like, look, you make millions of dollars per year. So you want to squash somebody's dream because yeah. you can't afford to let a couple clients go, which you know you're going to replace anyways. That's the thing. Like, it's like back off. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just like, let something like Good Life F45 be a stepping stone for some people. Yeah. Because like, and I, I don't, I mean this genuinely, but like everybody's replaceable. It's true. Like everybody's replaceable. So why are you worried about this one individual quote unquote stealing clients or something along the lines of that? Like, yeah. Let this person like use you as a stepping stone. Yeah. Because you're just going to be able to bring in someone right after them. And even if they did that 50 times over, there's always somebody that's going to want to work for F45. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Eventually you're going to find that individual if that, if that's what you're looking for is someone to spend the rest of their life at F45, you are eventually going to find that individual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just let this person do what they want to do. And I think it stems from like their own fear of like for my boss personally, he was in a lot of debt because we opened that gym during COVID. And so that gym already had so much shit that it's been through. Like the manager before was stealing. Um, and then we went into COVID where we had obviously AHS up our ass every single day. And then after that, he was like, I am putting so much money into this business and I'm not seeing that return. And I was supposed to see that return because he was a restaurant business owner. Okay. He's not a gym guy. So he was like, you know about fitness. You get in there and you do it. And I was like, okay. And he honestly was like, 
very unfit for that, I guess, industry. Because restaurant and fitness are very different. Like they can have correlations, but most people who run restaurants, that's what they do because it's so crazy um, and intense and it's like any business. But he just didn't know enough about fitness to know what demographic to go after. He didn't realize that location of Kensington had a lot of turnover and there's not a massive population there that we could continuously have that turnover like downtown. Like downtown has people constantly because everybody's always downtown. Everybody works downtown. Where do they? Where do you think that they go from work to the gym to home? Yeah, that's what people do. And so if their gym is near their home, they're like, okay, yeah, great. But also like, is it convenient? Is it not convenient? Parking plays a role. The age demographic that was around that area can't afford that membership. They're my age. They work maybe every summer <laughs> and then go to the school. Like, you think that they can afford that? Like, even with the student rate, they can't afford that. So he was just out of his realm. Yeah. Okay. And so he was very much like, he saw an opportunity with me to, uh, in my eyes, take advantage of me and my naiveness at the time to be able to be like, yeah, I'm here. I'll, I'm ready to work because I'm a hard worker. If you put me to work, I'll do it. Uh, I'm not scared of that. And so he saw that opportunity and I think he grabbed onto it to have a little bit of like, stability for a little bit and then replace me with somebody else that he knew was going to be somebody who was going to be there forever yeah. i think that was his long-term goal simply because that's how it worked out yeah and i saw red flags yeah after leaving i'm like oh you didn't give me benefits until i was leaving yeah. and then you cut them off right away mm-hmm. oh you way underpaid me because i had no idea how much i should have been paid yeah i was underpaid for six months of the like or i was paid properly for six months but i was there for two and a half years oh wow yeah and so i'm like oh weird (laughs) but people will do that because they're like they see fresh meat and they use it as a stepping stone to create their own business yeah so when okay so we hit that 200 pound mark yeah (laughs) we hit the pr can you tell i love talking and (laughs) sidetracking that's great though that's good no it all plays into it all plays into the story so i just want to go back because i want to know like not specifically like timeline or whatever but like so you you left this individual and is that is that when you started to turn everything around yeah and that was like the typical bad relationship story oh yeah it was definitely the typical bad relationship story because i saw even just after i broke up with him i'm pretty sure i lost like 10 pounds just due to stress like i was like holy shit because i remember looking at because i'm still like i'm that person that takes progress photos every week and so i still did that at the time because i was like still trying to document my journey even though i hated how i felt and how i looked i'm like okay i'll still take photos and you can tell for just one week uh, my brother and my sister-in-law are so funny. They, uh, they're they like, yeah, it looks like you lost 240 pounds. Because that's how heavy he was. And I'm like, nice. <laughs> I'm like, that's savage as fuck. I love this. <laughs> so were you, so when did you quit at 45 and start your business then? Uh, that was. Same time frame or was this? No, that was actually, I'm trying to think timeline wise. Um, I was there for a good year, I think, after. Um, my dad passed away September, 2021. So I left F45 September, 2021. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Time flies. I feel like I blanked and it's been almost his two year anniversary. I'm like, oh, this is weird. So what state were you in both? Like obviously mentally, you know, the, 
the loss of your father, mm-hmm. but like physically as well. Like what state were you in going into the business? Because you said you were like, okay, was this a good idea and everything? Like what kind of state was that? Oh boy. I think it was a state of desperation, to be honest with you. So just to jump ahead to make sense of this. So yeah. where you're at right now today, do you feel like you have a pretty successful business? I would say it's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the reason why I wanted that input before you continue with the story is like to show people like, look, like, you know, you can be in your worst place and still make things happen. Yeah. Right. And like, in terms of like desperation, it's once again, it's context. Yeah. So like, like if you're at a bar and you're desperate, (laughs) (laughs) that's maybe not the best way to utilize desperation. Yeah. Utilize desperation in that context to obviously bring yourself where you are today because you said it's been two years. Yeah. With the business, like to have a successful business after two years. Yeah. Especially like your own business. Like that, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. So like using, it sounds like, yeah, like you utilize that desperation well. Oh, yeah. I had to. Yeah. I didn't have any other choice, truthfully. I knew I always wanted to start my own business, but it definitely happened way faster than I expected. And so with that, unex- like that, I guess. Was it be- that now or never mentality? It basically. It was like now or never. Either you do it now or you go back to school and you pick something else. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of like the cards I was dealt. Like my parents have never been financially stable. So I we struggled already. And then getting into it and having a job like at 45 where I was actually making good money and then going back to struggling again. I was like, fuck me. Does this ever end? And then it was literally now or never. Because either you do this and you fail a couple times um, or you go and you work for somebody else. And I knew for a fact I never wanted to work for somebody else because I realized how disposable I was. Mm-hmm. Nobody can fire the boss if it's your own business. Yeah. And I realized I wanted to run things my own way. I wanted to create my own brand. And I wouldn't say I'm successful in a sense where I'm tossing in seven figures. I'm successful where I went from having zero clients to when I to having consistent clients and people who are actually recognizing me. That's what matters to me is people are actually getting value out of what I give. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it's still not at a place and I don't think I'll ever feel at a place where I'm like happy with where it is because my goals are huge. And so that's when I'm like, when the age kind of came in, I was like, well, people look at me like, oh, you're only in your 20s. Like, okay, well, you know nothing. And I'm like, well, that's why I wanted to start now because I know I'll be successful when I'm 30. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, on the fact that like you were able to get through, like I would say like maybe <clears throat> you still have a bit of a hump to get through. Oh, definitely. Years are still really early. Super. Early. But with the way things are going now, I find like if that business was successful after like the first year or two, I think you're set. Yeah. Right? Cause especially when you talk like fitness and social media. Definitely. You know, because now you have that outlet there and you can reach so many people. And like I said, you you and your friend are getting into the podcast now. Yeah. You know, all that kind of content. And so I feel like if you have success now, yes. as long as you stay on top of that, Definitely. it's going to continue. Because that's why I got big into social media because I went like this. Oh, okay. Right? Because yeah. It was, you're not, nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Right? If you're not making content, if you're not advertising, if you're not at a, like when you go to King's Fitness, everyone's either there to do their own thing or already with a trainer. Definitely. So it's not a place to acquire new clients. Yeah. You know, now luckily like Leo has referred some in the past and whatnot. So that was very, I was very grateful of that. Yeah. But yeah, if you have that and you know how to utilize that, and even if your content is like, which you talked about, like not many likes, mm-hmm. it's still there though. 
Yeah. It's still there and it's still keeping you relevant and they're still seeing your face. It's like a portfolio. Yeah. Social media is a portfolio. Yeah. You want to go and it's like a landing page now. People have websites and stuff. Um, but most importantly, people want to see what you do, what you do every single day. They're nosy. Yeah. What does Curtis do when he wakes up? Yeah. Does he meditate? Does he have coffee? Does he have water? Well, that's what people taught me too. It's because like I was always trying to be like super professional, scientific, nerdy or what nuance and everything. <laughs> yeah. And it's like people just want to see you in like your personal daily life. And that's why I got into reels because yeah. then it's like actually my face instead of just like writing out content that nobody freaking reads anyways. Yeah. Um, oh so, my God. Like that's why yeah. I started with the reels. But then like recently it was like, oh, their Instagram algorithm has changed. So now you need to do static posts and carousels and everything. And it's just like, oh my goodness. It's I know. But anyways, yeah. like, <laughs> I think now with where you're at, that you have that success after two years, it will continue to be successful, yeah. you know, because of the outlet that you have and you are putting a lot in and you do have a good following and yeah. I think it's only going to get better from here on out as long as you keep working hard, which obviously you are that individual. Like I said, you are a very high energy, like in a good way kind of person. I appreciate or that. In a good way. Yeah. And so I think too, like this is where I've always had a conversation. Like I've said this a hundred times for the longest time. Everybody's like, oh, you're so knowledgeable or blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but I'm not a good coach. Yeah. I'm not a good coach. Like I said, I would be like, no, you can't have perfume or, or whatever, for example. I was just never a good coach. And I find that's where like a lot of people, I used to be like, oh, well, that person isn't very knowledgeable. I don't understand why they have so many clientele. And it's like, yeah. you don't always need to be the most knowledgeable to be a good coach. It's true. Right? Yeah. Sometimes you just need too. to be like that individual support. Yeah. And just be there for them and help them motivate them. And like just that sympathy and empathy and everything. Yeah. And like, you know, just from what I've seen, you are that individual. And that's oh, why I think, you. yeah, like your success is, you know, I don't think you're ever going to dip. Right? <laughs> Unless we get hit by an asteroid or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there's so many people on yeah. this planet. Now, what's your take though? Because so like, what would you say? is your niche because you mentioned working with women with eating disorders and stuff would you say that is your niche or what what would you say personally my niche is i actually just sat down and talked to leo about this because i was having a hard time kind of um like narrowing it down i would say my niche is women who want to lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way mm -hmm. that's my niche that's like as brief and as quick as i can try to keep it i try to keep it between like uh 30 to 40s usually is the age rage that I have. Um, but it's hard because I feel like right now, like I, like you said, I'm only two years in. So I still find that I still get, I still get male clients and I love them and they like are amazing and they're so fun to be around. Um, but I noticed when I was trying to bring on every single person, I almost drained myself because I was constantly having to put on a different hat every single day for each individual when it's almost like, uh, I help women lose weight in a sustainable and healthy way, obviously dive into mental health, how it correlates with physical health. That's one thing I really, really like discuss with my coaching because I want to be there for that individual because I know for a fact how emotional it is going through those physical changes when you don't feel like yourself. And so discussing things like, and this kind of correlates in why we sort of discuss like, disordered eating or eating disorders because they kind of play a role in your mental health and how you get results physically so for myself yeah like my fitness journey i went from being 140 pounds to 200 and now i'm back down to 150 pounds 
But the reason I came out of that was because I started looking after my mental health and stopped binge eating and started eating normally again. And I started exercising normally again. I started bringing my stress down. I started doing all these things. And so to keep it like very niche down, I help women lose weight in a sustainable way, um, in a long-term sustainable way. And so that's what I really try to focus on because there's so much kind of nitty gritty details into each individual. I noticed that me talking about those nitty gritty details, people just go blank. They're like, I just want to lose weight. And so I'm like, all right, let's do that. And then during console calls, then you have the deeper conversation. You begin to build that relationship with that individual, see if you're a right fit. And that's when I truly love that part of it. So that's kind of like, I wouldn't say um, something that I market a lot. It's like I almost not under promise and overachieve, but kind of like I kind of go more in depth as we start that conversation initially. I'm not like, out there marketing myself as like somebody who helps women lose 10 to 30 pounds and then oh i also work on mental health oh and i also help men too sometimes it's like it's like a lot for people to digest so you have to very much narrow it down put it on instagram and then they're like oh yeah i want to lose weight before summer oh yeah i want to lose weight before summer oh yeah that sounds good cool i could probably lose about five to ten pounds yeah i don't really feel great right now i feel a little inflamed and then that's when you start that conversation of like okay well why do you feel inflamed Mm-hmm. so that's kind of what my niche is i guess you could say yeah that for me like i was actually just having a conversation with someone today like that's where like if you do look at my content someone such as yourself who is in the industry like in that realm can appreciate it because like there's all those avenues but like that's like this individual was saying like clientele was this when his niche was this yeah and then as the niche went like this clientele went like this I said, that's my problem because like, and then I was talking to other people, I said, well, I don't, my niche is everything. Yeah. I have the knowledge for everything. I don't mean that from a douchebag egotistical standpoint. Yeah. It's just I've worked with a lot of different avenues. Like you yeah. talk female hormones, you talk cancers, you talk autoimmune disease, thyroid disorders. You can got, but gut health is a really big one right now because gut health is everything. Yeah. But so it's like, if I were, so someone said, well, menopausal. I said, well, here's the thing. Like if I said my niche is menopausal yeah. or female hormones. So you're going to come to me and yeah, we're going to start talking and I'd be like, you need a GI map. Yeah. And you're going to be like, well, I thought you were hormones. Well, yeah, well, this is how we're going to fix our hormones. So then now I feel like a couple things. One, I set this expectation to be hormones and all of a sudden, why are we talking about gut health then? Yeah. And I don't know how that's going to go because that has, so for example, I have lots of clients. Well, I just came to you to lose weight. Why am I doing this test? That's why labs are important. So you eventually convince them they do the test. Actually, you're like, oh, okay, I see why. But anyways, prior to that. It's like, why I, they're, they're extremely hesitant. I, dude, I just want to lose weight. Why am I doing a GI map? Yeah. Right? And it doesn't matter how much education you give them. They came to you for weight loss. So I don't want to make that a niche. And then if I do make something like this a niche, so you take, okay, let's say I made gut health a niche. Yeah. Or you want to talk like ulcerative colitis or something. It was all the same stuff. Yeah. Now someone sees, oh, cool. He knows a lot about ulcerative colitis. Just an example. Yeah. But this individual has Hashimoto's. So I'm not going to go to him. I don't have a colitis. Yeah. But the, I can, like, I literally have a case study of reversing Hashimoto's. You know what I mean? So yeah. this is the battle that I am fighting right now. Yeah. But I understand from a marketing aspect of why you need to narrow your niche down. Yeah. I feel this on a deep level. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's so difficult because it's like, yeah, like I can help. I literally say that people are like, well, do you have any, like, can you help my friend who's got this? I'm like, I can help 
anything or anyone. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's just because of starting with the basic foundation, but it always starts with the gut. Yeah. You know? And so like, that's so, Hey, do I make my niche the gut? But it's so hard for me to create consumable information about the gut because where I see people creating information about the gut is, is scaring people. It's fear mongering. Yeah. Oh, right. Definitely. This is what's happening. Here's what's happening to your body. If you don't take care of this. Yeah. But I cannot provide information on how to take care of your gut, especially in extreme situations. Cause it can make you 10 times worse. Yeah. And then you're going to come back at me and you're going to think I'm an idiot. And, yeah. and so this is like that fine realm. And this is where I'm stuck with social media. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, all right, well, what content do I make to attract to a niche? You know, but it's like in my head, everything kind of like is pushing back. So like, for example, like I made the ADHD post today. Yeah. Well, it starts with your guts. Yeah. So yes, I'm talking about acetylcholine. Yes, I'm talking about dopamine. Yes, I may throw in glutamate. Yeah. Where does that all start? Yeah. The guts. Yeah. But like, how do I turn that into like, hey, I'm a gut specialist. Here's your ADHD. Honestly, like, I think you are exactly right, right there. You literally take that correlation and you connect the dots for them. And as long as like, like for me, obviously with social media, like I've, I've been doing it for quite some time and I've had somebody help me uh, quite a bit in the last six months with narrowing things down doesn't mean you can't bring on the people who you want to help, but it means that you have this like small but big demographic of people who do need help. And so what I've learned and what I've been told is when you do have this niche down, doesn't mean you can't go help the older man with cancer or the uh, younger woman with cancer. doesn't mean you can't take on people like that because they'll still connect to your story. As long as you're telling your story, as long as you're telling your own health journey, because that's where they're going to connect with you. Like you said before, people don't give a shit about knowledge. They're like, okay, what do you bring to the table, Curtis? Are you a nice guy? Do you listen to me? Are you a good friend? Are you a good listener? Are you a good coach? Like, what do you do that makes me connect to you? Because all my clients, I've realized, connect with my story. Everybody has had a weight gain at some point in their life. So they connect with my story. So they're like, whoa, she went from that to that. I want to talk to her. And that's where it begins. So as long as you start sharing your story, this is the health issues. And I, you and I said we were going to discuss this in my podcast, but like, um, I'm not obviously assuming, but if you had gut health issues, this is what I struggled with and this is what I did to overcome it. If you speak from personal experience, nobody can argue with that. If you speak from a scientific standpoint, most people will argue that. Hence why you have people in your comments being like, no, you're not right about X, Y, Z because this is my personal experience. People can argue with your story because it's yours. And so as soon as you, this is where I feel like um, you would honestly benefit so much from is if you spoke more on your personal story because people will love that. Well, so here's my pushback to that because I have like, I did create a post where you saw that I look like six months pregnant or whatever because of SIBO and everything. And so what people see is they see that physicality of the very bloated gut. Yeah. Right. And then they see the transformation of where now my stomach was no longer bloated. Yeah. And it's that physical thing, okay? Now, not everybody has a bloated gut like that. And at the same time, too, it's like, well, why has it got bloated? So I could sit here and tell my story. Yeah. I could sit here and say, I went through this, and this is what I experienced, and here's what my lab said. First of all, when people see labs, it means nothing to them. Yeah. So that story is hard to get across. And it's not the same as, so if I say to you, okay, 
I had an extremely severe case of sleep apnea. Yeah. Telling someone that you stop breathing 71 times an hour, yeah. that's it's okay. They understand that that's a big number. Yeah. Stop breathing. That alone is the caption there. But they don't know what that's like. Yeah. So to actually relate, it's not there. Yeah. Whereas when you take somebody, and please understand that I'm not negating your story at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you do take somebody that was 200 pounds, they're physically there and they, and they and they see that kind of thing, yeah, right. And so, it, and what I mean by like it's the physical aspect. You can yeah. physically tell you're two hundred pounds, but let's say you're one hundred forty pounds with extreme gut issues. You feel like you're two hundred pounds. People can't see that. Totally, I know like, exactly what you can't mean. see that. It's like you talking about how you had like suicidal thoughts and everything. Yeah. Everybody can understand that. Yeah, everybody's had not maybe not everybody, but a lot of people have suicidal thoughts. Yeah, but everybody's stress is different to them than it is to you. Yeah. So like those suicidal thoughts might have just been understood and normal to you. Like if I go out and smash a bunch of food and I'm like depressed the next day, it's very easy to cope with because I understand from a physiological level. Yeah. Right. But suicide thoughts to somebody could mean like meh or yeah. be like extreme. So I think like when I tell my story, it doesn't yeah. connect. Another reason it doesn't really connect, once again, you go back to the physicality. Yeah. You have that photo of yourself at 200 pounds. Yeah. There is not photos of me abusing drugs. Yeah. Right? There's That stuff was all hidden. Yeah. And so that's very, very difficult. So I'll get the odd person though. Like I'm working with a guy in, uh, in Florida right now. Okay. Who like we've been through like the exact same stuff on an emotional level. Now our situation is literally opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. There's no reason why we test. Um, but it's for him. He was instantly sold and engaged because he had felt that. Yeah. Where most people, like you said, we talked about in the beginning, it's like, how do I lose weight? Calories in versus calories out. And they're not concerned yeah. about the inner problems. Yeah. And so that's where like, it's very difficult for me to be like, okay, like, you know, to yeah. attract individuals based off of my story because there's almost like no proof. Yeah. That's why transformations trump all. Oh, yeah. And like speaking in that regard with your like journey and how you felt, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, how you felt and what you kind of expressed on your social media, it sounds like it, oops, it did connect with one person. And so I feel like a phys obviously physical transformation is trouble because pictures speak louder than words. And that's always a really hard part is when you try to connect with an individual um, and they don't see that physical difference. But when you continuously talk on your social media and you're talking about how this, like if you continuously tell your story and how you felt and what you were doing, it's the consistency of that where people will start to believe it. And so if you tell it once here, once there, once here, once there, they're like, okay, okay. He's talked about it a few times. Okay, okay. But if you talk about like the extremity of it where you were like, this is what I was doing every day to feel normal. People are going to be like, oh, well, maybe I do that every day to feel normal. This is what I was feeling all the time, stressed, like suicidal, um, and like those deep rooted emotions where it really connects with people. Yeah, obviously physical transformations speak louder than words, but people really love when you come from a place of like vulnerability. This is what I felt at this time and this is what I did to change it. Oh shit, okay. Well, I can see that he obviously has that physical transformation to like back it up. But when you have like these series and these uh, educational topics to talk about, you can also tie in your own story where people will be like, 
oh, you're not just talking from a textbook. You're talking from experience. So you experienced health issues in this realm. And maybe your niche is helping people with what you experienced. Maybe it's not. If it's not, disregard what I'm saying. Say, I don't get a peer and I work yeah. kind of women. <laughs> and so your like, niche could be that right there. And yeah, you can still, because I feel like gut health is like what you said, such a massive topic. If you discuss like hormones in general, those obviously still connect to gut health just in a different way. And so we're not starting at the bottom of the totem pole. We may be starting at the top, but when we start at the top, we get their attention that we slowly work our way down, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know. That's what they were kind of like saying at my friends and stuff. But another thing too is like when we look at the physicality of it, right? Remember how we went back to like suicides yeah. and like it's usually the quiet ones you never expected or whatever. That's yeah. the thing too. Like I could be having the worst day ever and, but because I don't look like shit, right? then it's like it doesn't how do i explain this like it just doesn't connect well with people no it's true though. so if you were to say i'm suffering from depression <laughs> and you're 200 pounds and you look like shit that's going to be much more engaging and relatable than yeah. you looking like you do now and saying if yeah you had depression oh definitely right and because then there's always that pushback too um like it's like you know somebody who is 200 pounds be like oh well look at you what you don't have any right yeah. to be depressed yeah i'm overweight so like there's this huge like it's just the way the psyche is in the population totally and it's like it goes back what i was working so i was actually featured on the news for saving a man's life from helping save a man's life from terminal prostate cancer oh wow they made months to live and this was like i don't know five years ago yeah he's still alive right and i would go to the oncologist visits with him yeah and i would like interview these people and i always credit alan's survival to the fact that he was just a goofy ass and all he did was laugh and he was super upbeat and positive and just wanted to live where if i came to you and i said no okay you have can terminal cancer your first instinct is gonna go well my life is over yeah right and that's what these people would admit to and those are the ones that were like sickest and the ones like you just give up because the mind is so freaking powerful yeah you know and so like, so if you look at someone like, you know, Alan's a little bit different story because you, you physically see, but let's say you have somebody like me and let's say I had cancer. Yeah. It's not going to connect like it will that somebody looks like they're on their last breath. Yeah. And that's the reality of our society. And that's what makes it difficult because I'm out here difficult. busting my ass to feel good every day with a serious <laughs> issue that going on in here, yeah. but you wouldn't know because you, you look know, fine. Exactly. You look physically fit. Like you're fine. You right. must be fine. Exactly. It's you like, be healthy. yeah. And I'm like. <laughs> No, it's so frustrating though. And I can a hundred percent appreciate where you're coming from because people a hundred percent disregard unless you physically look sick, they don't give a shit. Yep. They're like, you look fine. Every doctor probably, if you were to go, they're like, you're young and you're fit. Same with me. Every single time I go to the doctor, well, you're young and you're fit. You shouldn't be experiencing this. Mm -hmm. Well, I am. So what the fuck do we do? My well, I'm like, well, I'm thinking about it because I was talking to a client today about naltrexone. Yeah. And naltrexone is used for drug addicts. Yeah. Okay. But in very low dosages, it can actually be an anti-inflammatory. So please, nobody go freaking do this. <laughs> it's all your professional or whatever, but it's just a topic. <laughs> so I went to the doctor. Yeah. And like trying to tell them because they don't understand. Like they don't know that research. No. So you're just like, I just want to do a low dose of naltrexone to help with my inflammation. They're going to be like, dude, that's an addiction drug. So like I go in there and I pretend I was addicted to cocaine. <laughs> 
you know, which because I was at one point in my life, so it was yeah. kind of easy to play that story. Okay. For them. But they look at you, maybe the tattoos would make them go, okay, maybe this guy is, he's got tattoos. Yeah. Right. But if I walked in there with like a suit and tie or actually a lot of businessmen do a lot of cocaine, but yeah, you know, right. a church outfit or something and yeah. you tried to get naltrexone, they're not going to give it to you. They're yeah. like, why does this guy want naltrexone? You know what I mean? Or it's like even individuals like ourselves, once again, my head's on the topic, getting T3. Yeah. When you talk about, when you talk about, because uh, yes, it does get abused heavily, but when you talk about gut issues, a lot of the conversion happens in the liver and the gut from T4 to T3, and you address these gut issues, you just tank your thyroid. So a wonderful thing to use would be T3, but they don't even know what the hell a GI map is. They don't know what a Dutch test is. They don't know yeah. any of these things. All they check is your TSH, which tells you absolutely nothing unless you have other markers. Yeah. Right. And so, but that's such a powerful thing. But if you don't look the part, then they're not going to give it to you. It's so hard. Like in that aspect, it's so difficult, especially when like you're telling your story and you're selling yourself because you're selling your business. Yeah. People are like, well, why would I believe you? You don't look like that. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's actually what I was going to say to you, like, because where you were comparing, because um, my ex and I, we had this conversation once. Yeah. Uh, like, hey, so now you compare yourself to other fitness people and whatnot. She struggled with gaining weight. Now it wasn't bad weight. She was definitely her own worst critic. She was in her head. Like yeah. she, she's a wellness competitor. So everything went to her butt and leg. Yeah. Right. Which it seems like at this point in time, she's okay with now understanding the process. Mm -hmm. But back then it really freaking bothered her. But what she realized was she actually did better with her clients. It got more clientele when she wasn't stepping on stage because it was relatable. Yeah. We can appreciate individuals, especially ones that have been through it. I've never stepped on stage, but I've gone down a single digit body fat percentage and I know how like grueling that is and yeah. how difficult it is. Yeah. Right. And so I can appreciate when I see someone, even though I'm not a big fan of bodybuilding for like, yeah. political reasons yeah. and like abuse and whatnot, but I can appreciate the work. So even if like, cause people are like, they use drugs or cheaters or whatever. It's like, no, they still had to work their butt off. If anything, they probably had to work harder yeah. because of the inflammation and the hormones. And anyways, yeah. <laughs> you appreciate that, but it's not relatable. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you were talking about these women that 30 to 40 years old to, you know, lose weight and sustainable. Well, if you're all shredded on stage. They're going to be like, huh? How am I supposed to be really to this? Exactly. I'll never look like that. Like they may want to look like that. They may say that I would love to look like you. Yeah. But they know they may never be able, not that they couldn't. Yeah. But to themselves, they could never achieve that. Yeah. So it's more difficult. And so that's once again, too, that's where like I'm very careful about. I used, because like how I became heavily addicted to things was. I was heavily addicted to steroids, like big time. Like I was doing over five grams a week Holy of testosterone. Like how I'm still alive is a miracle. Holy shit. But it was because the love of my life at the time, we had a separation. I cut my hair, gained some weight, saw her two months later, and we like instantly fell back in love with me. Yeah. So it programmed me. And so I always like, I need a huge, so for people to love me and respect me and want to work with me, I need a massive physique. I need to be yeah. as big as possible, Jack. And yes, if you are in the bodybuilding industry, yeah, because I could sit here and I could rattle off things and save bodybuilders lives. But because I'm half their size, it means nothing. Well, yeah. Right. But if I am their size and I'm trying to talk to Joanne that is having severe period cramps and has polycystic ovarian syndrome, <laughs> like sometimes, yeah, yeah, it might. Right. But most of the times we'd be like, first of all, we associate bodybuilders with dum-dums. Right. Yeah. And so then it's like, it's, so I was able to overcome the physique aspect. Yeah. Right. I actually hate working out. Yeah. I actually hate it. 
I shouldn't say I hate it. It's just time. Yeah. I hate the process of, because I'm very nuanced, I got to do my 30-minute pre-workout supplementation, so my B vitamins and glutamine and whatnot, yeah. um, and like my nootropics, and then I got to get to the gym. And You're it's so like, funny. <laughs> it's just fun. And so like everybody loves working out. Yeah. I, I hate it now. Yeah. I, I, it's, I hate the time. I don't hate the act of working out. Yeah. If I had a home gym, probably an entirely different story. Yeah, totally. Probably an entirely different story. But I don't train many clients anymore because I'm trying to be 100% online. Yeah. And that's where most of my business is anyways. Yeah. And so like, it's not like I'm at the gym all the time. So just train after or before a client. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's the actual act of going to the gym <laughs> now is what I dislike. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. Because I realized out of all the years and all the drug abuse and all the attempts to put on size, it didn't bring me any more business. Yeah. It didn't bring me more people, didn't give me a better opportunity to help other individuals. Yeah. What did was stop worrying about my physique, become vulnerable yeah. and be truth, like and and be truthful to everyone. And have that relatability. Like I said, like for years I sucked in my gut. For years I sucked in my gut. Like when I was younger, like people are watching, but I used to ride in the car like wolves. <laughs> so you couldn't, because my gut was always what? like the standard in everything. And I remember from the earliest ages, like even before my parents were divorced and everything. Yeah. So I was under 10 years old, where I, like I was born with these issues. So I've had my whole wow. time. Like, and you were just unaware of it. It wasn't or... that I was unaware of it. I just didn't understand. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then you just, like I said, I just sucked in my gut all the time. So like when I worked wow. with coaches, they would be kind of like confused because my progress photos, I'd be flexing all the time and everything. Yeah. And so it got me nowhere in life. So finally, when I just let the gut out and like, you know, the first person I was ever truthful about my appearance was, it was my mentor now, Blake Grove. Yeah. I've never sent distended photos to anyone ever in my life. And then to go and post it on Instagram. Yeah. I didn't feel that vulnerable though. Because yeah. I fixed it. Yeah. Right. And so like posting it, I was like, I didn't care that my gut was out to here because now it's not out to here. Yeah. Right. But for years I sucked it in and played the part. Yeah. Because it's in the moment that you still look that way. So you're like, I have no like thing to stand on after that to not be more vulnerable or not, not show them like, this is my knowledge. This is how I know how to transform myself into this person. They're like, well, you're in it and you're just talking about being in it. But people don't give a shit about that. No. They're like, okay, yeah, whatever. You're, you're quote unquote yeah. fat. You're quote unquote like you have a big descended belly, whatever. They're like, okay, yeah, come talk to me when you have a transformation. Yeah. That's everybody's mindset. Yeah. It's so scary out there because, man, people are judgmental. Even the fact that, like, I went from going on stage to coming out to gaining weight again, that was a huge fear of mine because people go from seeing you so lean and everyone's like, I want to look like you. You look amazing. I was like, I'm starving. Mm -hmm. My libido is low. I have no energy to put into my business, into myself, into anything. I train for three hours, like... And you want to look like that? Mm -hmm. And then you they see me come out of it and they're like, oh, you still look great. Like you definitely gained some healthy weight back. But like to me, that was scary because I've already been from bigger to smaller. I've never gone from smaller to putting on natural size. Yeah. And so I can appreciate where you're like, well, why would they believe you if you go back, not backwards, but like you're in it in the moment. And they're like, well, why would I talk to this person? It doesn't even look like they've had a transformation. And so when you speak from vulnerability in the moment, it's so scary because you're like, I don't know what they're going to think. I don't know what they're going to say. But part of me has just come to terms with the fact that I'm like, fuck it. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Well, like I can, like, it's also difficult from like, um, when you look for respect 
uh, from individuals. So for example, like I relapsed hard with my gut health, yeah. but that's because going through the gut process, I had lost so much size. Mm -hmm. So then I became insecure again. I let those feelings come back in. So then I pounded a ton of food and workouts yeah. without doing the proper phases of repairing the gut to prevent relapse. Yeah. And so then I had gut issues again. So the people are going like, well, why do you have gut issues again? And blah, blah, blah. So then to become vulnerable, like, hey, this is what I did because I didn't listen to my coach. Yeah. Right. And so then to come out that. But the thing is, without physically seeing it, they just don't know. They just don't, they just know. don't know. So it's like, yeah. So like, it's like working with women, which I don't have this problem anymore. Yeah. But I actually had a client leave me one time. Like she came back afterwards, but it was a complete misunderstanding for sure. Yeah. Issues. But she thought I was trying to act like what I knew. I knew what it felt like to like go through a cycle and like, yeah. In and everything. It's like, no, I have no idea. Yeah. Right? I understand on a physiological level. Yeah. You know what's happening hormonally, neurotransmitter, inflammation, gut, et cetera. Yeah. Right. But I have I have no freaking clue. So like that was sometimes hard to work with women. And and like I don't get the the pushback, but there's a lot of patronizing sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, no, okay, I understand. I let them have it or whatever. And yeah. I know you think I don't know this because I don't experience this, right? But I worked with hundreds of other females who have. Yeah. And then you get that feedback. And so it's kind of like not being a woman made it difficult but now that the proof is in the pudding yeah and that's what i'm known for is helping a lot of women with their hormones and weight loss and everything via the gut though yeah yeah, totally. yeah. so it's it's yeah it's like that's why you know we call it in the beginning it's a game like social media is a game because it's like there's so many different people out there in terms of like the psyche and how they handle things and respond to things and their emotional levels and their stress levels and yeah and so like to make the right content that is gonna like because i don't know if like you felt this way but like when you make content you want everybody to like it oh yeah <laughs> i want everybody to like it and you will never get that no and it's uh really hard for me to come to terms with that because i'm like why don't you like it? I work so hard on it. It's almost like you're a little butthurt about it. Yeah. You're like, I put in so much time into this specific piece. Like for me, I'm not like very creative, like artsy wise. So this is definitely where that like creative part of me tends to come out is like with my social media content. I have fun with it. I'm like, like you with editing videos and stuff like that. Like I have a blast, mm -hmm. but still it's hard when you like put in so much work to something and you don't see that return. Yeah. Or you get less engagement and you're like, how did that work? <laughs> but yeah. truthfully, I try to remember like the likes don't matter. For me personally, I had to pivot my goals. My goals are now, do I get real engagement on that piece itself? Any sort of engagement. Do I get people commenting back? Do I get people sharing it? Like you can see the little arrow. Do people share it or do people save it? The saves are what matter to me because that means I've hit like a targeted audience of like people that can actually relate to it. So the shares and the saves are what matter to me. I'm like if you're sharing it, obviously it means something. If you're saving it, it obviously means something. If you have most people are like too nervous to comment nowadays, I've noticed, um, especially because especially like they're having to be vulnerable with whatever it is that they're experiencing or they don't want to sound stupid because people are so scared about sounding stupid because we have information overload now yeah for example like i come to you and i'm like i don't know nothing about candida but the fact that most people can't say that because they're like i'm nervous because i'm in this fitness industry 
And I don't know anything about this specific thing that does correlate to fitness, but I don't know about it. So I'm just not going to say anything because I don't want to be questioned because I don't want to feel like a fraud. And so most people, I feel like when they get into any sort of like industry or just get into life and experience it and get their feet wet, they're worried about being judged Mm -hmm. and they're worried about feeling like a fraud and like they're not that person that they are perceived to be. And so... I feel like people just have to come to terms with the fact that like, yeah, you're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not everyone's going to like you, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. You're you. You're sharing your story. You're helping women. Yeah, you're like, I may not experience it personally. Doesn't mean I don't have a passion for helping you with your hormones. You yeah. know? Yeah, and I think too, like when you talk about like the comments too, is like people want to argue yeah. when we should debate. Yes. You know what I mean? We should debate and like, I think the way people respond to that, it like fuels the argument rather than a debate because once again, yeah. you talk about like ego comes in. Yeah. So then you have that ego and you're like, okay, well, why is this person questioning me or whatever? What ground do they have to stand on? Yeah. When it's like, take this opportunity because you never know what this individual is capable of. Like you never know. Maybe they do know something, right? Maybe like you said, their own experiences, their own truth, and they can have some input to the story because I believe you can learn something from anyone. Yeah. Right. Even if it's learning that they're stupid and have nothing to provide. Yeah. (laughs) Which is really rare. Like, there's always something. But once again, it goes back to that ego. Yeah. You really have to put your ego aside when somebody comments on your your stuff because it's like, okay, like, where is this coming from, and how should I respond? And I think does that go like when you go to create that social media content? Is that always in the back of your head when you're filming? Yeah, I'm always worried that somebody's gonna come after me, but then. I just don't care. I'm just like, yeah. whatever. I'm like, if you want to come after me, go for it. I don't really have the time to argue with people. If you want to debate, different story. If you have a question, different story. If you come at me in a negative way, I have a zero tolerance policy for that. Mm-hmm. If you want to argue with me, you're blocked. Yeah. If you want to sexualize me, you're blocked. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm here to build a positive community. I'm not here to argue with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get a lot of uh, like either... Like, I feel like women get a lot of like, go babe, and like, you're doing great. So I get a lot of that. I don't get a lot of questions in comments. I get a lot of DMs in comments. And so I feel like it's because right now with the anonymous question link, people love So like now instead of asking a question, you can actually go, I can't remember what it is, but you can go through an app and create an anonymous link. And so when people ask you a question, it's anonymous. Oh, so you can't see that. Yeah. And so people love that because they don't want to feel stupid and they don't want you to know who they are. And so we do that on our uh, like Famished and Feral Instagram. That's our podcast name. Um, And so we do it on that Instagram. People love it. I ask on my social media where it's like, ask me anything. Crickets. Yeah. And I'm like, don't you guys want to know stuff like crickets in regards to like, I get some stuff about like protein, supplementation, like the basic stuff. But I'm like, no, no, no. Ask like the detailed questions. Because it's like still going to that audience where you're like, where you're kind of like searching and sifting through like a file of like who I can help. Yeah. Because the people who are going to ask those questions are going to be potential clients. Yeah. So you're like, okay, ask me anything about fitness, nutrition, whatever. And if somebody asks, they're going to be a potential client down the road because they're curious. And so you're like, okay, absolutely. This is what I feel. Voice notes. People love voice notes because they connect to you on a personal level. And so you tell them a little bit about their question. Um, I usually respond on my stories and then I follow up a message after if they do do the ask me anything. I'm like, that's a great question. If you have anything else, please let me know. Because people are hesitant to ask questions because of that vulnerability. 
<laughs> Tell me about it. I felt the same thing. But then I thought back about how I feel when I go and look through other, like this is a while ago, like years ago, when I would go and ask questions, I felt kind of stupid because I'm like, well, I feel like that should be common knowledge, but I don't know. I'm kind of nervous. to. Ask. So I just want to ask. I'll just Google it. And so if you do the anonymous link, oh my God, like people are unhinged. They love that shit. Yeah. It's so crazy. I'm definitely going to try that. Then. Yeah. You have to. It's just an app. It's not within Instagram. I'll have to double check. I'll ask the girl who I do the podcast with because she has it on her phone. Okay. Um, but I'll ask her. I've seen that before. Yeah. I see a lot of women do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah stuff comes up. And that's why I was nervous to do it on my own just simply because of that. Right. So I'm like, we'll just do it on our dual episode. So I, th- I thought Instagram would have that then, but it's interesting. Okay. I'm definitely going to try that out. It'd be interesting to see like yeah. uh, the difference in it. It's crazy. Yeah. We had. Uh, I think I had three people respond back to mine because I was trying this to see if it would actually be a difference on like how much people engaged with it. I had like three people respond to my personal one. And I'm like, that's so weird. Okay, like I'll try on our Famish and Feral uh, Instagram. I had like 40 responses. Oh, wow. I was like, what the? And like the following is like not even a quarter of what I have. And so I'm like, what? Like this is so bizarre. You also have to train your audience. When you post at a certain time of the day, you have to train them to expect that at a certain time. You train them to engage with your stuff. So that's why the consistency is so key. Okay. So polls, uh, like ask me anything. Anytime that they're engaging, you're training them to engage with your stuff, which props it on their feed. So when you're continuously posting, it's always going to be the first thing that pops up. So if you're continuously posting on your stories, they're going to always see that. If they're always looking at it, it's always going to pop up first. So like um the fact that if you're like super super consistent on your stories and you always see the same four people that engage with it they're always going to continue to engage with it because it's the first story that pops up okay so you kind of want to like it's a game you kind of want to get into their brain and ask like questions or find like your niche and then really like tighten in on that niche because you'll get a lot of people that will continuously engage with it um it's just about like reading people on like um an emotional level because like what you said people aren't always going to ask the questions in person they're not always going to ask the questions online you want to give them a place where they feel safe so like for example helplines are the most popular thing ever because they're confidential mm-hmm. okay so what can i do to kind of and get that small audience to engage with my stuff so then i can help you because it's that small number of people that aren't engaging with your stuff that are potential clients that are watching everything but they're not engaging with it mm-hmm. it's so bizarre though because i like never thought this until i actually put it into action and i had clients that either have recently started following me or haven't engaged with my stuff ever 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 and they are old clients that i had at f45 that i haven't talked to in years and they reached out to me they're like i've been looking at all your stuff i'm like what you haven't engaged with anything yeah, I've experienced that a lot. Yeah. That's why I started the podcast. Yeah. I realized, okay, even though I don't think people are watching, people are watching. Yeah, definitely. But I like that anonymous idea is super smart. I never yeah. ever thought of that. Yeah. Like, hmm, I never, I'm going to do that like today or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with, okay, so with coaching, yeah. uh, before we wrap it up, yeah. what, what are some of like the biggest obstacles that you run into with the coaching? Like in what capacity, like business-wise? So let's look at it from like, okay, so for example, I'll give you an example that you can branch off of. For me, it's taking on emotion. Ah, okay, I know what you mean. 
right? Is yeah. taking on emotion and then that creates roadblocks for me when working with my clients. Yeah. So what would you say is your biggest obstacle? My business, my, my business, uh, why, uh, I'm having a stroke again. <laughs> my biggest obstacle is honestly that right there not taking on their emotion and not becoming so invested in their own journey that I want them to change so much so that they don't want to change and then taking that personally like almost like um it's I take it personally like I didn't do enough to help that person when in reality I did absolutely everything I could and then some they just don't want to change because I've had quite a few clients obviously with slowly building my business where people reach out because they want to change, but they want you to just listen and they want to just kind of complain to you and they just kind of want to be stagnant. Mm -hmm. So I had to, this was like when I first started my business, it's gotten better now, but in the beginning I couldn't really seek out those red flags of like when you're having a consult call, if somebody actually is invested in their health, I can pick out those small flags of like, I just wanted to help everybody. So I was like, I'll just help everybody. And so I had clients who would either like just become their pain, become their mental pain, whatever it was. And they just didn't want to change. And they had all these excuses. And so they always had a story that came with it. And like you said, like you get emotionally attached. And so you're like, I'm emotionally invested in you. So you're telling me the sob story. Now I'm invested in the sob story. But you're coming to me and not coming with results. You're not showing up for yourself. So how can I show up for you if you're not showing up for yourself? And so I had to take a step back. And this is still a learning curve for me. I get really invested. Um, and that's definitely the hardest part for me is not taking it personally mm -hmm. and not taking their emotions on. Because when I was there, it always comes in lulls and in, in personal training. But online, I feel like it's nice to have that balance. It's almost like the screen gives you a little bit of a boundary where you're not actually taking on the energy like you are yeah, in person yeah. um but when i had a lot of in-person clients back to back to back to back i would stack them like that but i would go home and i'd be like absolutely wrecked but it's because i'm dealing with 10 different personalities 10 different circumstances and they use that time in person to talk and so it's not like oh i'm checking in with you once a week you have however long to talk to me, uh, 30 minutes to vent about your week, whatever. Cool. Awesome. Great. See you next week. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we'll still keep in touch, obviously, if there's stuff that's going on. But for the most part, like if you see clients two times a week, three times a week, you like hear them out and you're like in it with them. And so I had to be able to like separate that. I had actually a bad experience with a client where she uh, actually ended up getting too invested in my life. So I had to be able to set boundaries for myself in regards to like taking on their emotions. And so what do you mean by that though, too invested in your life? Uh, so she got too invested in my life and in my personal life. So actually started- so Change the dynamic of the relationship? Change the dynamic of the relationship. And so this is when I first started on my own. She actually came after me and started working with me and it was great. She started taking her shit out on me. She started taking her bad days out on me. She started taking her energy out on me. Then she actually started going after my exes. And she started talking to my exes and then telling me about it. And she was trying to wiggle her way in in a very unprofessional manner. What age? Uh, she was younger than me. She oh, was, yeah, yeah. So she was trying to like, 
I think honestly she wanted to be my friend and I don't really think she knew how to go about it. So she went about it the wrong way. <laughs> um, so I ended up having to snip that off. And from that point, I was like, I have boundaries and my boundaries are I'm available from this time until this time. If it's like, I, I'm super lenient with it though. Like if people need me, I'm always there. And that's what I always try to tell my clients. But I had to set that boundary in the very beginning because I would rather have that than to set the boundary later in the relationship when it's already too far gone. Because if you set it in the beginning, you're like, no, we have our call at this time. If you have questions, you reach out to me here. Expect a delay. You always say expect a delay. Usually there's no delay in my opinion because I'm working all day. So I'm like on top of my shit. But I had to set that because it started to get too much where I was filling my cup up and there was a hole in the bottom. Okay. Because I was just draining myself. And so I was taking on their emotions. I wasn't handling my emotions. I was overworking myself. And I was overworking myself in a sense of like mentally and emotionally because you're just taking on people's everything. And that's really hard. How did you navigate that? Well, like question for you first, I was like, when you took on that emotion, did you find you made the wrong decisions with them after that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's hard. You get very like clouded. Yeah. You get very, very clouded. And it like, it almost comes back to bite you in the ass. Cause then like, I've had clients be like, why don't you just say this before? I was like, listen, man, I took on way too. Like I haven't actually expressed this to them, to be honest. I've like yeah. just mentioned, oh, I, I had time to think, yeah. you know, like I have some clients that'll ask me a question and in the time it's just something is like, I'm overwhelmed or like whatever, yeah. or I just finished filming a podcast. And so it's like, I will reply when I should have sat on it. Yeah. And like, I, that is one big thing that I've changed with my coaching is I realize things can wait. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, unless I said, text me when you go to the grocery store. Yeah. And I'll tell you what to pick up. There's nothing that you need an urgent response from me. Yeah. There's nothing. I agree with that 100%. It's chopped off. That's not on me. Yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) But anything can wait. Any sort of question that you may have had, you know, there'll be times when I'll send a plan away and I will be prepared. I will yeah. have my phone because I'm expecting these questions, especially if someone's eager to get started right away. Totally. But if I know it's like, look, they have to, uh, this supplement is going to make a huge difference in the plan. They're not going to get that for a week. I'm like, the response can wait so I can have a good thought out response. Yeah. So I'll have some clients where I'll text them and it's just not the greatest response. Like, so for example, I'll give like a, a total example. Um, I had a client of mine take the Braverman test. Okay. And then I was recommending some supplementation to improve his dopamine. And he's like, how come that's not on the list? And I'm just like, I don't know. Right. And then like a couple of days had gone by, even a week. And I was like under my red light and thinking, I was like, I know exactly why. So I messaged him this big thing. I said, here's why this is not on the list or whatever. And he was like super appreciative about it. And that's maybe not the greatest example because that yeah. like didn't wreck anything or like set yeah. anything back. But there's been times where when I started out in my fitness journey, which was fitness at the time because I didn't care about health. Yeah. I just wanted to get bigger and shredded, et cetera. Yeah. My coach took forever to respond to me. Forever to respond to me. Like it, it would sometimes it was days, everything. And so when I went on my own, I said, okay, look, I'm going to make sure that I never do that. Yeah. But the problem was then I prioritized response time over quality. Yeah. And so like I would say the wrong things and I had to come back and you'd look like an idiot. It would backfire yeah. the client's trust and everything. And so now it's like, I really live by that sleep on it Yeah. because then you can come into a clear head space with a much, like go for a walk. Yeah. It's, it's huge. I learned that 
the exact same scenario. It's the same thing. You kind of look back at your text. You're like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Why did I say that? Yeah. Like, it's just like in the moment you're like, there you go. Send. Boom. Yeah. Done. Okay. Awesome. I got back to him. I don't have to worry about it. And then you read back. You're like, that was actually the worst thing I probably could have said. Yep. And then you lose their trust. Yep. And so, yeah, I think what you said is huge. I, same thing. I had a coach would take days to respond. Same ma- mindset when I came into my own coaching. I was like, I'm never going to be that way. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, I need to sit on this, like in a professional way. Yeah, exactly. Like you want to have a good response. You want to have a well thought out response. Another problem too, when you prioritize response time is you set that precedent now. So then when you're not responding like that, it makes people feel bad. And then you just lose trust that way or whatever. Yeah. So like, so I kind of actually, I began to understand why he was the way he was. Yeah. Coach. For sure. And it made perfect sense. And not that I would ever take days to reply to somebody. Sometimes sometimes like messages get lost definitely right but once again too it wasn't like it needed that immediate response so it was okay like yeah you apologize hey sorry for the delay but here's what we're gonna do yeah exactly and and so coming at it with like a clear head yeah yeah i always i can't i'm very guilty of wanting to get up and just work right away i have to get up and give myself time to wake up then go to work work at my desk <laughs> yeah. um, and then be like all right I'm ready to help people because I filled my cup clear head I feel good had a little bit of coffee had a little bit of movement all right I'm ready and then I have like a little lull in the afternoon where I take myself for another walk yeah work out whatever it is clear my head again because then your head is full packed full with like clients and clients and clients and clients and you're like oh my god I don't know about you but when I sit at my computer I'm like holy shit my brain is fried I have to get up move I have to eat I have to do something and then you come back and you're like, all right, I feel fresh again. Yeah. It's like you had like a little nap or something where you feel a little rejuvenated. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard though, because when you have a coach who doesn't respond, you're like, I will never do that. Yeah, it's like, because it, you want, it goes back to like validation and like you want to feel important. You want to be validated and them not responding makes you feel less than, but yeah. that's why it's important to understand. Like, look, first of all, this individual has a life, right? Yeah. You're not their life as much as you want to be, yeah. especially when you pay good money. I get that. Yeah. But it's important that, you know, you understand that this person has a life, but also that is almost like res- that waiting to respond is like, they don't see it in there's that light, but it's like respecting the client. Well, because yeah. I respect you, I'm going to take the time to have a well thought out response. Yeah. Right. And and especially with texting. Oh yeah. Like a good example is uh, our client and a very close client. We've been together for quite a while. Uh, she listened to the podcast where I was talking about the candida again. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. And she's like, "Did I have candida?" And I said, "No, that's just stress." LOL. And me putting the LOL really upset her. Yeah. And rightfully so. I don't blame her at all. But the reason I put the LOL was to make light of the situation to not make her feel bad about her stress. Yeah. But it's texting. Yeah. So she didn't understand that. She didn't know that. Yeah. And of course, the mood I was in, I kind of said that, but I finished it off with, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Thankfully, I know I shouldn't be wording it like this, but it's like, I shouldn't have said that. But we've yeah. been together so long, it's almost like to her, it wasn't going to be like a surprise. Kind yeah. Yeah. You know, if I could retract that, I would, but that's the issue with texting. That's why you really need to sit on it and think of these well thought out responses. You got to think, okay, if I word this this way, are they going to take that? Or if I word this this way, how am I going to follow up letting them know that I meant it like this? 
And like, this is like, I meant this in a positive manner, like the LOL. Yeah. The LOL was to make light of the situation, not negating her stress. I don't mean it that way, but to not make her feel bad yeah. about that she is struggling with stress and how it's affecting her gut health. Yeah. And that That's, miscommunication is so hard yes. because it's hard to come back from that. Because you also have to like re-explain yourself and then you almost can get caught up in like the over-explaining and they're like, well, now they're just backpedaling. Yeah. It's like, I'm not backpedaling. I just didn't have time to think about it. Exactly. Yeah. If I would have sat on that, I wouldn't have said the LOL part. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have put it in there. Yeah. Kind of thing. But and like when you're quick to respond, that's where your head goes. Yeah. And it's almost like you're fired up to respond. You're like excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like for me personally, I get excited and I get like, my brain is just like ding, 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 like a little toddler when they have cake i'm like oh my god i'm ready to go and so sometimes i like i am so much better at this than i used to be i look at it and then i unread it and so it's still there as a notification and i'm like okay, okay cool you're still there but i've read it i'm gonna process this for a minute and then i'm gonna come back to it and i always have a notepad so i'm always like respond to xyz yeah you know because i'm so i used to be so bad at it i'm like and that's when i was draining from myself is when I would reply at 12 o'clock at night and I was like now they're expecting that yeah. and I can't give that mm -hmm. you're asking for so much like you can't be texting me at 12 o'clock at night having a meltdown yeah you should like, be in bed anyway yeah, you should, what are you doing <laughs> exactly I don't know if you do the notification thing because so like if I leave like I how where you're saying like you put it back to unread or whatever yeah I'll just keep looking so I open it but I always set aside I always have time yeah where I go back and I go through all the messages and making sure I responded. If yeah. I missed one or something like that, so I don't have to worry about that notification. Yeah. So I will do that. And then if I see that, okay, I still haven't responded, but it still doesn't need a response right now. So like yeah. I've had a long day, it's 8 p.m. I start winding down at 8 p.m. I go to bed at freaking 9 p.m., right? Yeah. And so like I'm not going to respond at that 8 p.m. If it yeah. needs a well-thought-out response, I'm going to wait until the morning. Totally. Because it can wait until the morning. And 99% of the time it can. Yeah. And like exactly. you said, if your arm gets chopped up, like I can't help you. What do you want me to do? Yeah. So unless yeah. it's like some intricate thing, like whether you're prepping for stage or yeah. like where, you know, I do some like pretty intense protocols with clients where it's like, yes, okay, I do need to be, you know, ready to reply yeah but the thing is, is that's already thought out because it's yeah the call that you've done before so it's just like okay this is what we're gonna do yeah and you're very clear about that with your clients too yeah i'm like unless you ask for like a text at the grocery store and you're gonna respond asap like it can it can wait because usually the clients like i always find for myself like when i was being coached i would always send messages late at night because that's when my thoughts are going yeah and so i'm like oh do to do blah 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 there you go coach and so I don't expect them to reply, but that's when my brain is going. So that's when I do get messages from clients in the evening. I'm like, oh, that was me. So I don't take it personally like, oh, you're disrespecting my time. They're not. They're sitting down for the first time they've sat down all day yeah. and they're finally in their thoughts. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I wonder how I want to let no one know that this program went great. Or maybe I have a question about this exercise. Like. That's cool with me. Yeah. But it can wait until tomorrow because you're not yeah. going to work out at 6 a.m. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you, so to finish off here, though, I want to ask, you said the words that you regret moving in with that ex. Yeah. Do you actually, though, or do you feel that corny cliche that everything happens for a reason? And do you feel if you hadn't have done that, that you would be where you are now? No, I definitely say it as a corny cliche. Like, I'm glad that it happened because it taught me a lot. 
also gave me a lot of perspective with losing weight, with struggling with mental health and binge eating and all those things that kind of like came all at once that were already in me that I didn't realize. And so I was too busy being on my own and being single and working to realize that it took me time to be with somebody else who wasn't the right fit for me, who also brought out the worst in me to realize, oh, this is the dark side that you have to focus on healing. I think that's an overused term, but like to work on yourself. And so I would say like, I'm grateful for that experience. Um, And I honestly like, I don't forget about that person and that experience, but I kind of like push it off. Like I use it as like my fitness journey. So instead of taking like, oh my God, I wasted all this time with this person. It didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. I'm upset by that. It's affecting me now. I'm like, no, I have a pretty great story from that now that now I can use moving forward. Um, I'm grateful that I learned that, you know, like I wouldn't take that back. And it also taught me a lot about what I want from myself in a relationship, how to actually have a relationship moving forward too with other people. I have been single (laughs) since then because it took me so long to realize like, oh, you always go after the wrong person. Okay, why is that? So it takes time to be alone and to actually sit in that discomfort to realize what you need to feel comfortable within yourself, to then invite somebody else into your life to compliment that, for you to compliment each other. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, like I said, you're young, so you still got lots of time for that. And like, you know, I think the, I don't know if you can like say the same for yourself, but for me, like it's very hard to find somebody that fits into my lifestyle. Yeah. But I'm the kind of person that will sabotage that for that other individual. Yeah. So like I said, I go to bed 9 p.m. every single night. I'm up at 5 a.m. every single day. I have the exact same routine, right? Yeah. And if I bring someone into my life, they're going to want me to stay up later. Yeah. They're going to want to go out and eat food. They're not going to want to, like, some days I just want to lay around. Like, yeah. I don't get a break usually. And so, like, to find an individual that understands that is very difficult right now and it takes away and so that's why i think like you either as an entrepreneur you either need nobody yep or somebody that is building with you yeah right and which i find like especially because you look at the dating realm right now you're talking like dating apps yeah and all this kind of stuff i find like that's next to impossible almost oh definitely Right. Like I had a girl, one of her biggest complaints was that I let the dog sleep in the bed. <laughs> like what? And, and like understandably so yeah. dogs are dirty. Pepper rolled in hot sauce the other day. Like <laughs> did she actually Yeah, at the park. I was who the hell has hot sauce in the park. But anyway. The, fuck? the thing is, we could have had this conversation and like if I really cared about you, I would have taught the dogs to not sleep in the bed. Yeah. Right. And so like, but that stress takes away from your life. And it's yeah. like, so you really need to find somebody that will like support you and help you grow, which yeah. I just don't think is really all that possible right now. No. Because going back to what we started in the beginning, social media, comparing. Yeah. Right. It's really hard to find someone who's like willing to be like, okay, look, this is what you need from me. I can give you that. Yeah. But then someone's got to be selfish if you're building a business. Oh, definitely. And right. that's always been my biggest hardship in regards to finding somebody to do because it's 
you're right. You either need somebody that's going to build with you or you're alone. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Nope. Like, other than the fact that, yes, social isolation does cause inflammation. <laughs> I always like put that out. So I always say like, you know, try not to entirely isolate yourself. But I get yeah. the whole mentality of like, keep to yourself and get the work done. Yeah. And that's what I've had to do in the last, since I started this podcast. Like that was that defining moment was like, okay, I, cause I haven't dated somebody. Like I've been in a relationship for almost four years now, I think. But then obviously like you go on dates on and off kind of thing. But I've yeah. dated somebody for, I think it's gotta be five months now. Yeah. Right. And it was nothing against the last person that I was seeing. It was just, I like straight up told her, I was like, look, like I want you to come over, meaning I'm going to stay up late. Yeah. And I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And it's not that you're not worth it. It's just, I am going to be a sinking ship if I continue to do this. Yeah. And then you're not going to want to be with me anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you like me just... for who I am now. And this is what I do to be who I am now. And so either you're on board and you support it. And there's always going to be a little bit of compromise in some circumstances. Like you get it. Like it's a very selfish lifestyle. Bodybuilding also is a very selfish lifestyle. I have had people roll their eyes at me at the fact that I am weighing my food at 8 p.m. at night. And they're like, babe, why can't we just go out for dinner? Well, if you want that, go find somebody else because I'm not going to do that. Like, no, sorry, yeah. kiddo. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, is like you said it yourself, like you were with that individual who they also like to eat. Yeah. You're just You're feeding off of, you're feeding each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those situations, too, where yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like very difficult to find like-minded individuals and you think yeah. they're like-minded, but then you don't truly yeah. know until you start to get involved or whatever. And so I've had that a lot. Yeah. Every man I've dated in the last year has been like, I love that you run your own business. I love that you're so ambitious. And then when it comes down to it, they're like, why don't you have time for me? I'm like, I don't have time for myself. Yeah. Well, and isn't that like a big proven psychological phenomenon with men and women? Like men are attracted to the woman that is like a hard work and everything. But yeah. then once they get involved, it's just like it does a complete 180. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they like become insecure or, you know, because like for me, like I've always thought of like I've always felt like I've been a good hype person. Yeah. You know, even for like whatever it takes, like I would love to see my significant other make more money than me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But until you're actually in that realm, yeah. is that how I truly <laughs> feel or whatever? Yeah. I think I do. But do I actually? Yeah, but do I actually, you know? And so it's like one of those situations where, you know, it's like even like OnlyFans. Like oh, I was yeah. like, I told my ex, I was like, I 100% support you. Like, you know, you should do something because like money was an issue. Yeah. I was like, why don't you just do this or that kind of thing, right? So then I thought I was okay with this. <laughs> I, met, I met a girl and we were hanging out and I creeped her Instagram with her and like, and then I found that she had only fans. But I was, I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm pr like, I'm proud of you. You know, you're just doing what it takes to survive. She said it helped me pay my rent because I wasn't able to pay my rent. Yeah. And I said, I'm 100% supportive of that. Well, then <laughs> curiosity got the best of me. So I checked it out and it was stuff I really did not want to see. So the thought of a woman doing OnlyFans solo seemed totally fine. With others, that's where it kind of like, I was like, eh, okay, maybe I'm not okay with this then. <laughs> yeah. Right? Maybe I'm not okay with this. And then you learn something about yourself. You're like, no, yeah, I know so, I should not be asking so, for this. <laughs> yeah. and so like, I was like, okay, well, until you're actually in that situation. You have no idea. You have no idea. So it's like a lot of people, like you play up, you're like, hey, this is what I do with my life. I weigh my food at 8 p.m. and you're going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, hell yeah. I'm okay with that, right? And then one night they're over at 8 p.m. Yeah, why are we not ordering food? Yeah. And it's 
food. Why are we ordering food? And I've had it the other way around where I've also tried to like see somebody who's also building, but it's different. It's like they're an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur. So like- I've never heard that word. Yeah, so entrepreneur would be like if you're working within a business. Okay. And you're trying to move up within the business. Uh, That's different because it's still like the schedules don't align. So like you're gonna be at work until 12 p.m. But like you and I, it's like okay, yeah. Well, I still want to be in bed at a decent time. I still have to wake up early. Okay, well, am I gonna see you tonight? Probably not. If you're gonna be at bed, yeah. or if you're gonna go home at 12 o'clock at night, or if you're always busy, and then you run into people who make like false, like where their words speak like just shit, and their actions just don't follow through. Mm-hmm. They're like, I want to see you. I'm like, all right, I will make the time if I actually want to see you. I will make the time. This is my schedule. I'll fit you in at this time. If you actually want to see me, see me at this time. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that like that doesn't work for me. Like I am so like the whole dating pool. Like this is we've talked about it on our podcast, too, because Addie is the same age as me. And so her and I have talked about the fact that every single guy is so full of shit recently. Yeah. And they're all like, yeah, I want somebody who's ambitious. Oh, but you work too hard. I want to go out on the weekend. Well, I don't want to go out on the weekend. I work seven days a week. You think I can go out on the weekend? Yeah. Like, no, I can't do that. Sorry, I still need to be in bed at this time. Mm-hmm. It's like here's a cool thing that I heard from a psychologist. Yeah. That I thought was very interesting and it made total sense. Um, was here's the problem with the dating pool right now. Yeah. I, other than social media and like comparison and whatnot, is let's say I owned a store and I sold jam. Yeah. And you came into my store and I was only selling five different types of jam. Yeah. You're going to come in there and you're going to like probably ask me some questions, taste some jam, whatever, but you're probably going to walk out with a jar of jam. Yeah. If you come into my store and I have 500 jars of jam, you're going to be overwhelmed. You're probably not going to leave with a jar of jam. There's too much and, jam. Right. And so I kind of like resonated. And then I really thought about it. What happens when you go on Uber Eats? What happens when you go on Netflix? There's like unlimited movies and unlimited restaurants to eat from, but you can't pick because there's so many out there. Right. And that's what I, that's what's happening with the dating pool. So, right, it's like, especially for women, because like, I'll never forget, like when I was on the dating apps, like I vowed to myself, I'll never go on the dating apps again. They really like diminished my confidence and affected yeah. my psychology. But like when I was living with a roommate a couple years ago, I maybe had, I don't know, six matches. Everyone gets stunned by how little of matches I have. I like never get matches on dating apps. That's actually right? so crazy. But then like I was like her and I were talking and she had like 600 matches. Right. And I was just like, this is why, like, you know, you like, I'm not negating yeah. or, or faulting people for being picky because you have that opportunity. But at the same time, it's like, it goes back to that compromisation, you yeah. know, like you'll probably always be searching for that jar of jam because it's never just sweet enough. It's right? true. It's never just, what else? The texture? Yeah. <laughs> it's not spreadable enough. <laughs> Why are there seeds in this one? <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, and so I think we're going to see, uh, I, like I could be entirely wrong, but I think it's like the years go on. I think we're going to see more entrepreneurship things, but single people. Cause like, I don't know if you know this, but like Elon Musk, the reason why he's all like babies, babies have babies and everything, because do you know what they think is one of the things that's going to end human civilization is lack of babies because we go, Oh, well, how is that possible? Our yeah. population keeps going up. It's because we're living longer, but our birth rate is significantly down. Wow. And when you look too, you look at like the entrepreneurs, the higher class, even middle class successful individuals are having less and less children. Yeah. Right. But then you have 
I'm sorry, but like trailer park, what we would call trailer park trash is pumping out kids. And so this is why they think one of the either natural disaster, mm-hmm. I don't know if meteorite or whatever, how you classify it falls into that. Yeah. One of the top three is for the loss of civilization is just not repopulating. Wow. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I said, yes, our population is going up because we are living longer. Yeah. But if you look at the birth rate, the birth rate has gone down. Like for me, like I'm infertile yeah. and I'm probably sure there's probably something I do to change that, but I have no reason to like make that attempt right now. Yeah. And so like for me, for kids is like, is it going to be possible? But I don't really care at this point because I'm not with anyone. Yeah. Right. And then you talk to other self, like, do you plan on having children? See, so you're humming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're humming and hawing, but it's because, you know, because you have these goals. Yeah. Right. And I think maybe if you set those goals, but here's the thing. You set those goals, you're just going to have another goal. And you're going to set that goal. Or Sorry, achieve. You achieve those goals, and then you're just going to set another goal. Yeah. And then you're going to achieve that goal. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with, like, on the opposite spectrum. It's like you solve one problem, you just create another problem. Yeah. And things are forever shifting. So I think if you're in that, uh, like, state of mind where you're like, eh, about having kids, I, yeah. yeah, you might never have. But that's okay. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But that's the reason being is because I'm like, I want to, I have these things I want to do in life before I bring something else into the picture. Yeah. That'll drastically change everything where I can't be selfish anymore. And so right now my life is very selfish. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And like it's revolved around me and Lola (laughs) and that's about it. And my clients. And I love that. And so. I forgot her name was Lola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. The weed. I always call her the weed though. And everyone laughs at me. They're like, is it actually the weed? I'm like, it could be. It's Mrs. Ween. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard because either they don't fit your lifestyle and you have to be alone, or if you do find somebody who does fit your lifestyle, you're like, I maybe don't want this. And they're like, and then that lowers it even more because you're like, Well, I don't want kids. And they're like, Well, I do. And yeah. you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. we fit everything else except for this one end goal. Yeah. Our goals are different. I don't know if we're going to work out. And that's happened to me a lot because I've always hummed and hawed. Yeah. I don't, all my friends are like, I want to be, I want to live in the suburbs and I want to have a like white picket fence and I want to have like four kids. I'm like, that sounds like my actual nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Like that, I don't vibe with that. Like mm-hmm. that, that to me is like, um, settling. Yeah. Okay. I'm not somebody who's like, yeah, I'm content in this moment. I'm always wanting to do something else to achieve more because that's what I love. That's what makes me feel good. Yeah. So it's really hard for me to bring somebody else in who's like, I'm just content on where I am. And I'm like, what is that like? Yeah. <laughs> Does that feel good? <laughs> <laughs> are you happy? Yeah, are you happy? Yeah. I mean, I'm not and I'm still doing all this shit, but yeah. it feels good. And yeah. like, you get it if you're like a hard worker and a high achiever, like you always want to push for more. Like, especially if when you were building your physique you're always pushing something better and i think yeah eventually i'll come to a point where i'll be like more like maybe i don't know if this will feel i don't know if i'll actually ever get there that's kind of a lie <laughs> i don't know it changes daily yeah totally Things daily but it doesn't matter we're all gonna be sleeping with robots yeah totally <laughs> well noah with your our personalities, but we go on forever. I know. <laughs> so no, I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward. I'm super happy you came on. I really appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate you having me. This was a blast. Enjoyable. And I like it when, because, uh, you know, like when I approach people to come on as a guest, 
They definitely have an expectation. Yeah. Right. And they're like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, anything. Yeah. Right? Like, you know? <laughs> and like, like this is so like Matthew and I, Matthew was here recently and I brought him on again where we did, it was okay. This is what we're going to talk about. Totally. And I would like to do something like that with you Absolutely. as well. Um, but for now, it's just like I said, it's getting to know people and, you know, putting a face to the voice. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like when I tell people coming on, like just we're talking about you, Yeah. you know, there's no expectations. And then, cause I remember too, at the beginning, I had a list of questions created for Matthew. Yeah. Cause, and I keep bringing up Matthew cause he was my first podcast guest. Yeah. And I was talking to someone that has a successful podcast and said, don't ever do that. They said, don't ever come up prepared with questions Yeah. because then you set these expectations. And then if you're not meeting those expectations, there could be some awkwardness within the conversation or there could be loss of track. So yeah. like, frick, we went off how many tangents. Yeah. But if I had a question for you, I possibly would be thinking about how am I coming back to this question or you yeah. thinking about that and the conversation just will not naturally flow. And then you're up present. Yeah. And then you're off yeah. somewhere else. 100%. You're yeah. just thinking back to like, okay, what was that question? How am I going to bring this back? It's like, no, just talk. Yeah. Like, just talk. And that's what, I, that's what a podcast is. Yeah. Right? But that's why like with Matthew, it's like, okay, like the title is going to be, yeah, this is nerding out. Here's what we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, in the future, I definitely love to do something like that. Like Absolutely. You. That would be super fun. I yeah, love that. Yeah, glad you came. And so um, when we'll have to figure out with you, for me, coming on to yours, I'm excited. Definitely. I'm excited too. <laughs> it'll be different because it'll be like, yeah. I did one on Matthew's podcast when he did have one. Jeez, what, a year ago? Yeah. And it was difficult at first because like, I thought he wanted me to just be like a nerd or whatever. And so we yeah. recorded it and we had to redo it all. <laughs> and it was only like 40 minutes or something okay. like that. But yeah. so like, it'll be interesting to see being on the other side, yeah. how it feels. But so I'm like very excited to like come on or whatever. So. I'm so excited. I have a few things I want to discuss with you because I love picking your brain because you have a lot to say. But yeah, I told um, like our co or my co-host and she was like, absolutely she's like soon as we get that second microphone we're doing it and i was oh, like i got some here like i don't mind like i said yeah. things travel yeah. oh yeah awesome Let's do it that way oh definitely that so would be sweet matter. yeah we'll we would love it. that totally that would thanks be awesome thanks so much again for coming on thank you appreciate it take care everybody